general nerdery. I keep feeling like we're forgetting something before we start here, and I think it's because we haven't had an episode without a guest since January. Holy shit. <laughs> and I, I just looked this up, and that's why, uh, and it was... Yeah, I was wondering why you were asking me about our episodes, but... And it is mid-April when we're, it's April 11th when we're recording this, so, uh... Yeah, that's been a stretch. It's been a minute, yeah, so I keep being like, God, I'm not prepped, what's wrong? Oh, because there's an empty seat there. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't been just us in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I kind of asked for it, but also, like, it feels weird now. Anyways, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And this is your podcast about liking things. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Usually TV, movies, and comics on this, but... In this case, TV and pirates. Yeah, pirates. Ah, but before that, what have we been ingesting? You know what I've been ingesting. Elden Ring. Yeah, because <laughs> you I played was, it for like 45 minutes before we started. Yeah. You were eating, you were eating pie. No, I'm not complaining. I, and I was like, ooh, look at this pretty thing. Ooh, look at this pretty thing. Ooh, look at Caleb. <laughs> we're about to leave. <laughs> time to go now. Uh, yeah, no, I've... Let's see, last time I think I had two hours in it. Now I'm pretty sure I'm at about 62 hours. That means you've done 60 hours in two weeks. Yes. Which is almost the equivalent of working a full-time job on top of your full-time job. I'm not sure how. And sleeping. I assume somewhere in there. Yeah, sleeping. Yeah. I watched, like, rewatched all of this series <laughs> that we're about to be talking about. Watched uh, John Dies at the End twice. Like, For I don't know where I have yeah. fucking time to do this right now. But uh, it happened because... Uh, for having this game for two weeks, I think it is easily that jumped into probably my top five video games I've ever played. Maybe top three. You know, I have been confused why people are so into this game until you showed me Elden Ring today, and specifically the Totes Not the Underdark section that you were wandering around in. Oh yeah, the the Siofra River Well. Sure. Uh... <laughs> For anyone at home that knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> the Totes Not the Underdark, because this is D&D, but not for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and admittedly, in my case, it's because I do not care for the Souls games. Mm. Like, it's just, the style does, I mean, it. they're fine, I get why people like them, but, like, the style doesn't grab me, and the gameplay made me actively angry. See, so. <laughs> I didn't like them till this one. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, even just watching you run around, I went, oh, this feels different enough that I kind of get it. I'm probably not going to get it because I own a Switch and I don't see this game going great <laughs> on a Nintendo Switch, but... Um, no, they... They solved from software, not that they had any problems, but they were always achieving what they were setting out to achieve, I mm-hmm. guess is what I mean by they they didn't have any problems. I had problems, like playing those older games. No, those games... Either work for you or they do not. Like, there's not a much in-between for the Souls games. But they were always... I feel like they were always achieving what they were setting out to achieve. Mm -hmm. This one fixed that, though? Not that it needed to be fixed, but it did. Those other ones have very intricate level design for the most part that at times could make you feel like you were in an open world but you were still kind of getting pushed along this linear path. And if you got up against like a boss or something, it was time to fight that boss. It was time to fight that boss or it was time to 
cheese your way through that boss or at least find some cheesy way to skip past the boss. Mm-hmm. But the boss was an obstacle. Yes, this one you can just... This oh. one, if you get stuck on a boss, like, it's an actual open world, so you can just fuck off for a bit. Like, I, I'm tired of dying to Godric. That I don't have to keep dying to Godric. I can fucking warp back to this other side of Grace and warp outside the fucking castle and go fuck off, like, a couple kilometers down the road and just, like, level up for a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know... I mean, obviously, open world games have existed for a long time, but I was getting hardcore Breath of the Wild vibes from this. Mm. And I think it's because Breath of the Wild kind of changed the game on how open world really works. Because, like, for a lot of um, uh, old school open world are either like, yeah, technically, but also this is the mission you're on now. You just don't have to go to it immediately. Or they're like an MMO, which is it's Mm -hmm. completely own thing not better or worse it's just a different kind of gaming than like a single player truly open world experience yeah i think this is maybe my favorite open world experience since morrowind which did a little bit of that same thing yes you had quests and there was a main quest line but it actually let you fuck up the main quest line you could make it so that you could not finish the game yeah it fixed some, it, I'm not sure it fixed some, Oblivion and Skyrim kind of quote-unquote fixed the problems of, no, you can't kill that person, we need them. But also, it like... It dumbed it down in a weird way by doing yeah, that too. And I say this as someone who admittedly prefers Skyrim to Morrowind, like, I played both and kind of missed Oblivion for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Skyrim's the one I put time into because I'm a dum-dum and Morrowind was very... In the weeds as a game. Yeah, but uh, Morrowind was a lot of the same thing, though, where it's like, we're dropping you off. Have fun! Here's the barest hints of where you're supposed to go for your quest. And as you go in, it gives you a lot more guidance than the Souls games do, where it's still like, okay, I just talked to this NPC like five times. I think they're telling me to go somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't have a Switch, but you really would love Breath of the Wild if you're a fan of... Well, let's figure out what's happening now. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I've heard. I never played Breath of the Wild. I had heard comparisons in the to this game, to these those games before mm-hmm. I started playing this. I, I mean, if that's what it is, that has me more excited to eventually get to it. But at the same time, like, it also has me a little bit bummed out because as good as Breath of the Wild might be, and no matter how similar they are, I like this, like, I like this setting more. See, and that's what I was thinking of, like, Elden Ring looks fun, but, like, Breath of the Wild's more my scene design-wise. Mm-hmm. Which, nothing wrong with it, it's everyone's got their own. I have seen a lot of, like, no, Breath of the Wild is better. No, Elden Ring is better, like, uh, clickbait articles. I'm like, come on, man, just let people fucking like things. Like, um, I also like weapons not breaking. I can understand that. And I can understand why it's annoying for people, but it's so easy to pick up weapons in Breath of the Wild that it is not a huge concern. And it is kind of satisfying when you hit someone in the head so hard that your hammer explodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't even know what to say. There's so much. The, the, the oh. game is so fucking enormous and beautiful, and it's so complicated, and I can't tell you the... Like, I can only tell you the barest bits about the story because it is (laughs) that they don't tell you. This is probably the from game that tells you the most story 
they still don't tell you what the fucking story is. They tell you the Elden Ring got broken and it was like a source of power. And now all the shards are held by these demigods and you're supposed to go defeat them and get the shards because? Ah, okay. So fantasy bullshit, fantasy bullshit. I say this with all love and also about the Breath of the Wild plot. Fantasy bullshit plus MacGuffin equals fun-ass open-world video game. But also, it might not be a good thing for somebody <laughs> to become Elden Lord again is kind of also what I'm starting to pick up. Like, it seems like maybe the easiest... I know that there's multiple endings to the game. I don't know what they all are, but it seems like what's probably the easiest ending to get could probably be interpreted as you becoming the new big bad evil guy. Yeah, fair enough. This isn't, what's his name? This is written by, I keep wanting to say Rothfuss, but that's the guy who does the King Killers. This is the Game of Thrones dude. Um, Right, so it's unclear how much Martin was involved, other than he was for sure involved. It was enough that they could put his name on it. To cash in. It sounds like he came up with some of the background lore for the world, and then the people at From, and I can't remember the the From Software um, director's name. He's stupid famous right now, and I am just completely blanking it. Yeah, I want to say yeah, Miyazaki, yeah. but um, they took like that bedrock of lore and then turned that into a world. This is making me want to play uh, Kingdoms of Amalur again. Did you ever mm, play that? No, I never did. It's uh, it, it's like three Xbox 360 era. They re-released it as Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Okay, I remember that re-release. Yeah, yeah. And it is... The R.A. Salvatore wrote a lot of like the plot and stuff for it. The Drift Steward and... Mm-hmm. D&D guy and I want to say like Todd McFarlane helped with some of the character design okay which is weird because I'm not a huge Todd McFarlane art guy but like I like the art of this it is trying to do what Elden Ring is kind of more successfully doing it's also trying to do what Fable was trying to do it's that mm. like single player open world feels like an MMO but it's not kind of middle ground and that's the weird thing. This the part that is surprising me is how much I actually enjoy uh the weird community aspect. Mm-hmm. Because what was it? I, I heard somebody describe it as the game is kind of an asynchronous MMO. You're all playing the same game, you're going through the same challenges, but not at the same times. But there's ways to leave messages in the world for other, other players and then you can go and read the messages and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's people fucking with you and sometimes it's a fucking meme but then you can also like you can go rate the messages guess what if somebody rates your if you leave a message and somebody rates your message while you're playing you get a free heal the things that games can do these days as someone whose primary video game experience is still the ps2 era blows my goddamn mind and not only like are there the messages but as you're running around like ghosts will pop up and so you get to see what other players did in that area for okay, like okay i saw some ghosts seconds. while you were playing and i did not understand what that was like i didn't know if that was you biffed it and i was seeing a previous version or okay so that makes that's, that doesn't make sense but that's super interesting you no know, that's completely other players for just like 
four or five seconds of their playtime while they're in that area. And you get to see what they were doing. There was I didn't touch any, but there's a bunch of bloodstains on the ground. That's where another player died. <laughs> and you can go touch the bloodstain and a red ghost will pop up. And it'll be like the last three seconds before they died. But it doesn't show you what killed them. It just shows you their body. What I like is that <laughs> means that there are random ghosts of you showing me how your horse does a double jump. So just someone's running around and then someone else on a, like a ghost of a horse going boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom. Like for they're like, what were they trying to do there? Fucking nothing, man. Nothing. They just had a horse and were kind of high. Um, the, my favorite thing in the world is just all the dogs in the game. So the messaging is very simple. There's like message templates mm-hmm. with uh, like fill in the blank, and then you have only so many different words that you can fill in the blank with. Doggy people from just writing bullshit things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So there's a lot of turtles in the game. There's no word for turtle. There's no turtle that you can drop, like, choose in the drop-down menu. Okay. So all turtles are dogs. So anytime you see just a turtle out in the wild, there's usually a message right next to it that's like, Behold! Dog! dog. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking okay. (sighs) You know, really good things come out of the internet where you have open messages, but you have only specific words are allowed. Oh, it's amazing. There's a whole weird community of just... Because people put weird, interesting shit instead of like neckbeards being racist to be edgy. So I guess some of them are, like I said, some of the messages left are just kind of memes or like jokes or shit. Some of them, people will set messages to fuck with you. And I don't mean like they'll say like, Oh, there's a secret door ahead when there's not. It's like the button to read a message and the button to interact with an object is the same button. So, so people leave a will like right there. So like, people will like leave a message right in front of a ladder. <laughs> you're like, no, no. <laughs> just wanna... And it's a ladder that like you have maybe to. you're like you're trying to run through this dungeon to get to the boss. What bastards? <laughs> what bastards? <laughs> for a game that's already like a series that's already known for being, or I guess technically not a series, a developer that's already known for making super hard mm-hmm. games. The people just make it worse, but it's well, the, yes, the, the, the most the fun internet. way. Uh, plus, this one has just gotten so mainstream that, like, the old school get good um, Soulsborne community is just, like, getting kind of stomped on right now. <laughs> get good, scrub. And they're like, no, fuck off. Uh, which... They're like, fuck off. You can't tell that to everyone now because now everyone's fucking playing the game. So, fuck Man, you. And that was the other. Yep. Okay. Like, they're still there. Oh, of course. I've but, been on the internet. I've played games before. But it's not like it was. This it's not is the League of Legends community. No. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I've actually been enjoying, like, the kind of weird community aspect, as well as just, like, like I have four, like, three or four friends at, the, like, at work that play. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in years that I've talked about games in this way, because it's a lot like the super old school, like, NES games where you're like on the playground and being like, did you know if you could do this, you can do this, you can do this because the game doesn't tell you anything. You have to figure it out. And then it's up to you to spread it with others. Oh, hell yeah. 
So it's been like, oh, like I, I got to tell somebody at work the other day. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I ran into Blythe, who's the fucking giant half wolf guy. And he's like, yeah, and da 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 da. And he's like, yeah, I went and I went and grabbed this dagger from the Everjail, and it was kind of a hard fight. And I'm like, oh shit, did you know that you can like summon Blythe for that fight? He's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, what have I been ingesting? Um, mostly, we've been watching the first season of Star Trek Discovery mm. again because our roommate Grizz has not seen it, and the. New Star Trek show that launches in, I think, May. It's soon. It launches soon. Ah, oh, fuck. That's the trailer that we were going to watch. Mm. That I was going to have us. We can pause before we go into the trailer park. Stars a character who's in season two, Captain Pike. So while not essential for watching it, we decided to, you know, rewatch because it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. And it really. I have not rewatched Star Trek Discovery Season 1 since I first saw it, so this is the first time going in going like, oh, fuck, I know what's going to happen here. Like, I, uh, right. you know, it's not the, like, oh, my God, like, this twist I saw coming so far ahead, but, like, the little small things that is like, oh, right. <laughs> That's really different when you watch it in retrospect. <laughs> like, spoiler, if you care about it, this is a... Uh, about spoiler of a show that came out several years ago. One of the characters in it is a, you know, skip forward 30 seconds if you care. One of the characters is an undercover Klingon that even he doesn't know he's undercover. He's like, Oh shit. Cover okay. identity. Yeah, yeah. And he starts dating one of the main cast members. But when we first meet him as a undercover Klingon or as a regular Klingon before he went undercover, those two get into a fight and she fucking stabs him in the eyes, like both eyes with her thumbs while she, he's like trying to kill her. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> your relationship definitely takes on some different flavors with the eye gouging. Um, oh shit, that's Or like some of the big reveals of like, oh my God, this thing has been happening and watching and being like, oh, so this scene takes a completely different context knowing end of season stuff. And I'm being kind of vague here because I actually kind of want us to do a Star Trek Discovery season at some point because it's only 12 to 15 episodes, so it's much yeah, easier to do. And um, it's got a lot of, like, I mean, uh, uh, God, I can't think of his name. He plays Lucius Malfoy. He plays Jason Isaac. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Isaac is the captain. He's in a bunch of stuff that's really fucking good. Doug Jones, who's in, like, every Yarmo del Toro movie, is one of the main cast members. Doug Jones, who I just got done watching in John Dies at the End about an hour ago. Oh, really? A movie where he plays a normal person? Or does he? He's not in 50 pounds of makeup, if that's what you mean. Oh, he's definitely in 50 pounds of makeup. He plays this guy, Saru, who has who stands like seven feet tall. And Doug Jones is mm-hmm. already super tall. He's like 6'5". Uh, he makes me feel short. But they have him on like super high heels and then on platforms from there, basically. Oh shit. Okay. To, uh, mimic how the legs work different and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these things. I mean, like I've always enjoyed Star Trek prosthetics, like Star Trek by the end of the nineties shows had gotten pretty good at some pretty in-depth prosthetics, but the amount of facial expression Doug Jones can portray through a completely inhuman looking face is a testament both to Doug Jones and to holy shit, this prop, like this costuming department 
is out of this fucking world. Mm-hmm. And even like the places where I disagree with them, like they're Klingon redesigns. I don't hate it as much as some people do, but Man. they made some choices that I like. One of the Klingons is one of my favorite looking Klingons of the entire thing of like all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Another Klingon. I like that Klingon, but I think his costume looks like shit. Okay. But it's not that like, it's a bad costume. It's just, it doesn't feel Klingon. Okay. And it, uh, it looks drow almost like it's like mm. these, and I get it. It's supposed to be this like old ornamental armor style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a very kind of like spider web thing around the neck, which is why it looks drow to right. me. Okay. But I was like, fuck, I mean like that's kind of cool. It does not look Klingon and it does not look like you can move very well for a fight. And that's kind of important for, even if they're wearing furs and pleather, which is like 90% of Klingon armor, <laughs> um, it looks like something that they can punch you in the face pretty easily with. Gotcha. Okay. Also, the fucking knives look so good. All of the, mm. they, uh, the guys who designed it did all the costuming stuff based it off. Their idea for Klingons was what if Klingons were designed by HR Geiger? Okay. And it works and it doesn't. It's not nearly phallic enough. I was to about be to Geiger. say, how many penises are there? Lots, <laughs> but not Geiger lots. Like okay. it's, um, I, I can see where the inspiration comes from. I can also see that they have to be like, okay, we have to get this at least a little bit Gene Roddenberry still. Like, gotcha. Okay. And I mean, like, even people who like disco tend to not like the first season. And I kind of want to be like, no, rewatch it. One of the episodes I watched is like some of the most classic Star Trek I have ever seen of like, here's this wild time travel storyline that we've got going. It's like a Groundhog Day repeating concept. I mean, it's a fucking sci-fi classic, but like wild Star Trek time travel shenanigans are happening. But also we are going to solve it by expressing emotions and learning to communicate and grow between each other as people like that is as Star Trek as you can get. And then making it one of the relationships that they have to work through in it explicitly queer. Okay. Is incredible because old school Star Trek, which I will live and fucking die for had no openly gay characters and they weren't really allowed to Mm -hmm. because it was the nineties on network television and network television and Rick Berman in particular, it did have a lesbian kiss at one point, which was like, Oh my God, huge moment. With Oliver Queen's mother from Arrow, which is wildly changes the episode when I rewatched it and went, Moira, Moira, good for you. I would also like to make out with Terry Farrell, so I'm not judging. I'm just, um, even time, they they had to really kind of skirt around the concept of homosexuality because it was one of those things of like, we're not against adding it, but we need to make sure it really adds to the story like that. That kind of, no, not kind of, that definitely bullshit argument of like, well, are we just putting in gay people to have gay people or does it add to the plot? Like, fuck you, man. You're not worrying about that for for like all the heteronormative relationships. Mm -hmm. So introducing this couple as like, oh, they're a gay couple by showing them like they've been interacting throughout the show and you don't you know that they know each other, but you don't know they're in a relationship until it shows them at the end of the day and they're brushing their teeth together and like discussing their day. 
Mm. And they're like, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> and it's such a queer show. I still feel weird as a straight man using the word queer. Because we so grew up in the 90s? Yeah, it was like the bad word. Because uh, we were children in the 90s? Yes, exactly. And we're going to use it a lot in this upcoming in, in this episode, because we're going to talk about, like, the queerest fucking show I've ever seen. But uh, Star Trek Discovery, while there's, like, only a couple of, like, on-screen gay relationships, fucking half the cast is openly queer in one way or another. Mm. And one of the cast members talked about how the season two finale and reading that script is what made her come out. Mm. Reading it and, like, all of these characters making this big, brave, dangerous choice to, like, move ahead into the future. And her being like, that's what I have to do. And, like, huge moment in her car and her being like, oh, my God, like, what is <laughs> happening right now? I, I love that whole show. And I like it more than I thought I did. And I already thought I liked it. So, hooray! Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, should we go get that trailer fresh so we can talk about it? Yeah. I did watch it, but... I did too, but it was a couple of days ago, so, uh... Yeah, so we're gonna pause for a second. For you all, it's gonna be no time, but then we'll be right back. Okay, so I know that we just took a break to watch a trailer so we could talk about it, but while we were on that break, it reminded me of something. Yeah? I assume Elden La- Ring? No, no, no. Last time we talked, Moon Knight hadn't dropped yet. Oh, yeah, I still haven't seen it yet. You still haven't watched it no, yet? No, I'm gonna, oh, like... Okay. I, I fucking want to, but I just keep getting distracted by Star Trek Discovery, to be honest with you. In that case, we won't talk about it right now. Okay. We'll wait till next time. How much do you know? There is one small spoiler that I want to bring up really quick, because it's different, but I kind of like what they're doing. Go ahead. So, Moon Knight, Mark, and Steven, Steven, and, we haven't and seen Mr. Jake Knight. Yet. Yeah, we haven't seen Jake yet. Aren't... As separate as normal. Okay. Moon Knight is basically Mark's superhero version. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Knight is basically Steven's superhero version. That's confusing, but interesting at the same time. Because <laughs> normally they're all... Moon Knight and Mr. Knight are essentially the same person. It's just whatever he is like what specific thing he needs to be geared up for kind of moon. It is kind of becoming more moon Knight is when it's like the serious superhero stuff and Mr. Knight when it's the like more street. Yeah. Detective. Detective. Yeah. I have to talk to people who aren't super powered. Mm -hmm. So that was just something I noticed like right away, especially when they finally bring in Mr. Knight, but I don't dislike it. I'm either going to watch that tonight or I'm going to play the Mario Kart levels that we downloaded because I wanted to do both and I just haven't found the time for either yet. But so far, yeah, it's great. And I guess that's where I'll leave it for now, but we will have more in-depth talk coming up about it. Oh, and we'll certainly have a Moon Knight episode over on Noob Island before too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a couple of months from now is when it would come up, so uh, it'll, it'll happen. Anyways, this... My first immediate thought, because I think we talked about it last week when we were talking about, not last week, last time, uh, Eighth Doctor Paul McGann. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of push when that little mini episode came out of Paul McGann of 
give us a series of Paul McGann as the doctor because we never really got that. We only got the movie. That's sort of what this show is for Captain Christopher Pike. Because for those who don't know, Captain Christopher Pike was the captain of the Enterprise in the pi- the original pilot episode of the first Star Trek series. Right. But the, the show didn't get picked up, but in a rare case because they liked it, just not enough to get it, they let them shoot a new pilot. And in that time, that actor chose not to continue. So they introduced William Shatner as James Kirk. And they later used scenes from that original pilot in its own, like, here's a cheap way to make us an episode or two and still use mm-hmm. what we had. Um, so it made Pike canon. So we only had this one story with Christopher Pike. And then he appears as an admiral a couple of times in uh, the, the new Star Trek movies. Right, right, right. So people have always been super fascinated by Pike. And then he showed up in Disco and everyone went, for the love of God, give Anson Mount a fucking TV show. <laughs> and they listen. <laughs> give Anson Mount a TV show that isn't um, in humans. In humans. Oh, God. Um, and I noticed... I still hope he shows up as part of the fucking Illuminati. Oh, no, Anson Mount is great. Yeah. The problem with Inhumans was never the actors, from what I could tell. Medusa looked bad, but that was also just a just That's, shitty again, fucking not wig. Her, like, not her yeah, fault. <laughs> it's not her wig. Um, one thing I noticed on this, because this is advertising itself, is this is much more traditional Star Trek. It's more hopeful, which you can tell from watching that trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got its own fucked up stuff, but like, it's more hopeful. It's much more episodic. It's like, let's go explore strange new worlds. But considering that I'm pretty sure I saw three different sets of people fucking in this trailer, it's about as horny as old school Star Trek is. <laughs> where between James Kirk and then Will Riker... People got fucking laid constantly in old Star Trek. And, like, good for them. Sex positive. All for mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I'm kind of glad that it's not, like, every episode they're finding new love and then forget about them by the next episode. But, like... Right. Good for you guys. If you're going to do classic Star Trek, you're also going to have to do people enjoying sexuality in a positive way at the same time. Watching that trailer for the second time, I still had the same thought as the first time, is that the production value looks like it's a series made of Star Trek movies. Yeah. What they can do, it's incredible at this point. God, like, I, there are annoying things about everything going straight to streaming anymore, particularly because there's that, you know, like 50 different mm-hmm. streaming channels. But CBS All Access or Paramount Plus or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days... They are investing in Star Trek in a way that it has always needed and never gotten before mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I don't I don't have much. Uh, I mean, I know vaguely what's going on because I'm not a complete idiot about Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I know who I knew who Pike was and stuff going into it. But like watching it, I'm just like, oh, this looks really pretty. I don't It know gave what us a lot more on. than what we saw in the first one, which was mostly Captain Pike riding a horse. Mm-hmm. And I th- I don't think we even covered that trailer when it came up. We watched it and we're like, well, there's not enough here. Um, they released also individual character trailers. Did you see any? Of- I didn't see any okay. of those. So it, they introduced several things and they do a few things that I really like of like, 
There's going to be an Andorian for the first time as a main cast member. Andorians have been around since the original series. They are founding members of Star Trek. They're the blue guys with the alien antenna and the white hair. Oh, okay. They're background a lot. So, But, like, seeing someone from Andor who we regularly interact with, we've never fucking had that before. Uhura's going to be a cast member as a cadet. That's really fucking cool. Nice. Uh, James Kirk is going to be in the second season Mm. which is going to be a little confusing with some of the, like, where his past lines up, like, established canon. But honestly, it is shaky enough that, like, it could still... As long as they say he worked on the Farragut at one point, I can tell all of the, like, you're not respecting Star Trek people to shut the hell up. It's it's one of those weird things where, like, eh, as as not great as those movies were, like... Legolas would have technically probably been in Mirkwood at the same time as the dwarves and Bilbo. Oh, the hobbits? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the third Hobbit movie was a fun Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> largely unrelated to Lord of the Rings movie. I did not like the second one. I. Smaug was unthreatening. Yeah, I. Mm, that trilogy. Anyway, that's not <laughs> what we're here for. Uh, yeah, I really, Anson Mount, uh, Ethan Peck as Spock, he's in season two of Disco, so I know that he has Spock down on lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rebecca, I think Rebecca Romjin, Romaine, as number one, mm. who is the first officer of the Enterprise under Pike, which was fucking revolutionary. Because a woman was the second officer on a basically military ship. It is part of the reason why the show did not get picked up in 1965. <laughs> uh, they were told, get rid of number one as your first officer. We don't want a woman in that high of power because thank you, 1960s America. And get rid of Spock. He looks like the devil with his pointed ears. I and had heard that one before. They fought but... for Spock, but they... Gave up on Rebecca, or on, not Rebecca, on number one, although mm-hmm. they later reused the, like, title, because that's what uh, Picard calls Riker all the time. Right. And they did use that cast member as someone else in the series, uh, a nurse chapel, and she plays Troy's mother in Next Gen. And she was uh, Roddenberry's second wife, mm. who he started sleeping with while still married to his first wife. She was the infamous other woman of Star Trek, and then they divorced, and she married. And then it turns out that Nichelle Nichols, who is Uhura, was the third woman of Star Trek. She was also sleeping with Gene Roddenberry. And it's just like, God fucking damn it, Gene. (laughs) I love the world you designed, but God, you were a sleazy piece of shit. It's kind of like George Lucas. I love the world you designed. I love what you're trying to achieve. You don't always get there yourself. Yeah. Although not as bad. Lucas didn't like, this is what the future will be, and this is what mankind will become. Right. I don't know. It looks pretty. Yeah. I'll I'll probably watch some of it at some point, because like I said, I like this. My favorite part of Star Trek has always been the movies. That's fair. And it looks like a TV show of the movies. I so. am a believer of watch the Star Trek that works for you, because there's enough of it. It's the same way of Star Wars. Like, not everything's going to work for everyone, and that's fine. And it's not like I don't like the series either. It's just that, like, I 
the the movies are events for me. I have went and saw most of them in the theaters. Like, I'm probably gonna get a Paramount Plus account because they're taking them off, the old ones off Netflix, and I don't know if I can live anymore without super easy access to Star Trek. I have mm-hmm. just become so spoiled. So uh, maybe we'll hook you up. Um, but I guess on that note, let's take a quick break again, which feels weird, but here we are. And then when we come back, we will talk about, instead of the far future, the somewhat distant past. Yeah, somewhat. All right, so I wanted to start this off real quick by just, I was editing our last episode just last night, mm-hmm. and I realized I was kind of unclear when I talked about that Our Flag Means Death post that Taika put up. He didn't write that if it sounded weirdly self-congratulatory. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was actually something written by a fan of the series who is um, at Vilbit on on Insta that had caught that come across Taika's thing and he reshared it for everybody. Oh, but, I mean, honestly, I would have given it to him <clears throat> like everyone on this show. Congratulate yourselves for this show. Yeah, this is a remarkable achievement of a show. But as I was re-listening to it last night, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, Taika I thought, didn't actually write this. I thought that was a thing that Taika wrote. Um, <laughs> I so, suppose not everybody listened to our last episode, so I'll just repeat it real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Our Flag Means Death. This is a show that was made about minorities to minorities, about people who didn't fit in to those who still don't, about those who feel like outcasts to those who still live their lives feeling like that. The creators aren't scared of not fitting in the mainstream. They don't try to sell this as something it isn't or paint pictures that end up not existing. No dirty tricks or lies or holding back truths just to get more views. This show feels like something that was made actually out of pure want and a need to tell a story that hadn't yet been told. I'm not afraid to say that this show is something new, refreshing, and will change the way we view media. This show feels like a so-needed step forward. All around me I see people that are used to being ignored, not being seen, not being acknowledged as existing as part of this world. So they celebrate and feel so heartwarmingly overjoyed because of this show, its stories, and characters. By me and my friends that are part of the LGD, LGBTQ plus community, my friends of color, and even my neurodivergent friends who feel represented, thank you. Thank you for making this show, for making us feel like we belong. This isn't only a love story between characters. This is a love story about all people. This is a love letter for those who are often forgotten. You may not be able to change the whole world, but you have permanently changed ours. Okay, that makes a little more sense from being someone else's, but like also would have taken it. Um, Right. (laughs) The thing that we both thought about independently, as much as like we specifically were like, let's not have a guest this episode. We haven't done that in a while. We hadn't realized how long until... We already talked about this. Uh, And then we picked a very, very queer show, and we are both two straight dudes. (laughs) And I just want to kind of admit that. I mean, it's not a secret, but, like, I don't know. That just, like, if I put my foot in my mouth here, I sincerely apologize, because I am very white straight dude, (laughs) and we're going to talk about how this show is... Mostly about not straight white dudes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely had that thought while watching it last <laughs> night. Like, oh shit, is there somebody we can call last second? Oh, fuck it, too late. <laughs> oh well. It's still a great show. Yeah. I still think we're going to have shit to talk about. Oh no, It's still so going to be fun. Just And it's so refreshing to have all of that stuff, even though I am not directly represented. It's important for me to watch stuff where I'm not directly represented. I mean, come on, man. Um, some, no... Like badminton. 
Knitten. <laughs> Fuck. So. There's we, your representation, oh, right? <laughs> Closest I have to representation is all the shitty characters, but there's nothing wrong with that. Because uh, historically. Um, so before we do this, let's talk a little bit, because I know we both did a little bit of research about historical age of pirates. And also, I want to know, what is your history with pirates? Um, Because I feel like every kid grew up at one point with at least a small-scale pirate phase. Yeah, I had a small pirate phase, but it was tied to my also reading horror phase. Mm, see, for me, it was Muppet Treasure Island, but... Um... I mean, I love Muppet Treasure Island, but that didn't give me a pirate <laughs> phase. That just gave me a... Like, I love the fucking Muppets. Even I don't know phase. which one came first, but it was right around the same age for me. So, you know, chicken and egg situation. No, I was I was reading a lot of horror novels, and I finally decided to get around to reading um, more Peter Benchley, who wrote, like, Jaws. Okay. And, like, four or five of his books are all, like... Pirate books? Not pirate, but, like, um, like maritime and mm-hmm. fucking nautical and all sorts of shit. And, but one of them does have pirate ties, and then I was like, oh, like, they mentioned this one guy a few times. I'm going to look him up. And then I ended up reading a little bit more into pirates on top of, you know, just like weird little um, getting curious, yeah, like in grade school and shit, because pirates look fucking cool. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, fucking flags with skulls and crossbones and like <laughs> historically wildly inaccurate, but it's just permanently on there. It's Who fucking cares? dope. Like, I don't oh, care. It's so great. Yeah. Um. So like I've. I've delved in at times, but never very deep. And even like, even the little bit I'd looked up today was just so that I was like, so that I could go, oh God, I hope this show doesn't eventually go towards <laughs> Some Steed and Blackbird's actual fates. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and Which we'll, I believe David Jenkins has already said, no, they're going to give them a happy ending. Good. Thank God. Uh, and we've definitely... This is, we're going to talk a little bit about the history first, but mostly because this show doesn't follow it. Views history as a guideline more than a, uh, like hard and fast rule. And it's fine because it's not a show that's pretending to be like super historically accurate. Right. Um, but it is interesting to see what they have done. Uh, so real quick, piracy as we know it, I mean, piracy has existed for fucking ever. Arguably. For as long as people owned things, other people have took it. And boats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> arguably the sea people from 117, like like roughly 1170 BC could be argued as pirates. That's a little shaky, but it comes up in like those, you know, did you know pirates have been around? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fucking Julius Caesar was kidnapped by pirates. And then he made fun of them for charging too little for his ransom, got them the bigger ransom of what he said he should be charged for, and then killed them all mm-hmm. for kidnapping him. Caesar sucks, but like that's a really great story a of an egotist dickhead. But what we think of as the age of piracy, the piracy as we know it, is way smaller than we give it credit for. The absolute longest that you can stretch it out from is from 1650 to about 1726. And that covers three major eras of piracy. What we think of as like the golden age of piracy, Steed Bonnet, Blackbeard, uh, uh, Black Bart. It's um, like what, like five years, something like that? 10 or 11, from 1715 to 1726. 
uh, Blackbeard, we only know about two years of his life for sure. Mm-hmm. Fucking let that set in. He's one of the most famous people in history. He kind of sucked. Actually, he really sucked, but like, and we know of two years of his life. That's fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and be, even that's spotty. Yeah, which we'll get to in just a sec. We tend to think of it thanks to stuff like, you know, to do modern stuff, Pirates of the Caribbean or older stuff that I'll talk about in just a sec, of pirating being like, oh, my father was a pirate and I'm a pirate. And that might have been a thing. But for the most part, the... That might have been a thing for like two people. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part, the what we think of as pirating happens because the War of Spanish Succession ended and suddenly there was a shit ton of trained Navy soldiers with no jobs and a bunch of imperialism happening in the Caribbean that they were not keeping a close eye on. It was unemployed sailors and the rampant imperialism as a British colony in the Caribbean fell apart, and this is what we got out of it. That seemed... I mean, historically, it seems to be a war ending and having a surplus of super-trained guys with nothing left to do. And a lot of PTSD. Ends up with, like... Similar results across time. Yeah, it turns out bad things happen. Because like we're in a lot of the like, like a, a lot of the original one percenters were like nom vets that came back. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who weren't taken care of, and then look what's happening! Mm-hmm. Yay! I mean, this was much more on the nose. Uh, Anne Bonny, Mary Reed, and Calico Jack Rackham, like some of the most famous pirates in history, mostly because Anne Bonny and Mary Reed were ladies. Mm-hmm. They the three of them sailed together for two months. That's, that's it? That's it. I mean, they had a longer career, but like right. the three of them together, two months. Both of both Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed were under 25 when this ended. Most of these people were fucking kids. Not. They were kids. They were not. Yeah, that sounded weird. Um, <laughs> what we know of pirates traces back to three things. And it's hilarious what these three things are, like how we view pirates. One is Treasure Island, which doesn't even pretend to be, like, accurate to stuff. It sort of is because they were around a bunch of sailors, but, like, a lot of the, like, our shiver me timbers, complete horseshit. Right. Peter Pan is another what we view of pirates, because Captain Hook changed how we view captains forever. And then the biggest, most famous one, the reason why we still talk about Blackbeard, the reason why we talk about Anne Reed and... And Bonnie, Mary Reed, and Calico Jack, why we know who Black Bart is, yada, 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 is a book called The General History of the Pirates that came out in like 1723-ish, like right at the end of this golden age of pirates. And it is the 1700s equivalent of like the big book of serial killers or like any kind of like trashy crime lit that's like, we're going to talk about Al Capone now, or like, we're going to, you know, the next chapter's on Dahmer. Because people have always loved criminals, and people have always loved reading trashy books about criminals. And I've read about half of this book. It's it's hard to read because it's hard to read 400-year-old, 300-year-old books just as a rule. Yes. Just how much the language has changed, it's, it's hard to get engaged in it. But it is good. But, I mean, it doesn't offer any fucking sources. There's no, like, 
Here's where I found this information. And we don't even know who wrote it. The name that I'm blanking off the top of my head of the author, they're pretty sure is a pseudonym. So this, like, a lot of, you know... So it was actually Lucius. Might have been. Actually, I would love that. <laughs> I would be so happy. Um, but, like, a lot of this stuff that we source is like, this is what Blackbeard did, this is yada yada, is completely un... not quantifiable, that's not the word I'm looking for, but un, unprovable. It's like, oh, who... Was it Plato that wrote the histories? And it's like... Look, there's some definite <laughs> history in here, but also homies talking about Atlantis for a little bit. Yeah, or fucking uh, Herodotus. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, of, yeah. I mean, Plato did write the histories as well, but mm -hmm. Herodotus, uh, a lot of the Greek Persian Wars, he's known as the father of history and the father of lies. Like, mm -hmm. and there's like, oh god, that sort of shit. We're like, look, some of this is. Well, True. And here's, you know, where it gets complicated. I've been listening to two different audiobooks about pirates. Just because I'm back in my pirate phase. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to play fucking Black Flag again soon. One book said that, like, you know, murder actually wasn't that common with pirates. And for the most part, while they did like taking slave ships, because it was difficult for them to sell slaves, they would generally just free the slaves. Uh, it claimed that there is actually no recorded instances of Blackbeard actually killing anyone, which will come up in this. Right. Which is amazing. It blew my mind to fucking read that. Another book says that, like, slaves were a popular commodity to catch. Like, four pirates take slave ships, sell the slaves because that was good money. That's a fucking gross thing to say, but, like, here we are. We're mm -hmm. As I said, imperialism is fucking rampant in the Caribbean in this era. Mm -hmm. um, and both of those things could be true. It could entirely be just one part of the world versus another or a difference of 10 years. You know, there's a lot of debate about, like, there were a lot of black pirates, kind of like how there were a lot of fucking black cowboys, and we just don't like to talk about it. Well, I was going to, that but, was the other thing I was going to bring up is like the whole cowboy thing is like, we think of the Old West as having like gunfights all the time until you look into the actual history of there's it. There's one recorded gunfight of how we think of like gunfights in the Old West. I mean, there were, you know, all yeah. sorts of shootouts, but like, to not how we think about the, it. Yeah. But, like, there's a lot of question with the black pirates. Were they black pirates that, you know, accepted and allowed into this kind of own community? Or were they slaves who were forced to work as pirates? Or probably both. And the answer is yes. Probably both. I mean, there were pirates that were descendants of... They, they were mixed-race people. There were pirates that... Were, that had slaves and fucking sent them to do the dirty work. You know, you have to remember, especially with pirates, a lot of pirates did not choose to sign up as pirates. Mm -hmm. A lot of pirates got pulled in, and I mean, Blackbeard was legendary for this, went, man, I need a trumpeter. They really liked trumpeters, like, for whatever reason. Uh, but, I mean, I need a trumpeter. I need a, a you're a blacksmith. You're, <laughs> you have two choices. You could come work for me where you'll get better money and there's a weird social democracy thing going on. Or I'm going to set your ship on fire and leave you on it. Yeah. Most people are like, let's do this. 
So I heard you can sew. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, uh, well, and what's fucking wild? They have better healthcare than we do in America. You lose your leg, you get good money out of that. Like, you get, I mean, it sucks, but like, yeah. they actually take care of you when you get injured. It was apparently a tradition when you, if you lost a leg or something like that, you could pretty easily get hired on a ship's cook. Because mm. you had all of the sailing experience still, but you couldn't do a lot of the sailing right. stuff. So at the very at the very least, you wouldn't get in the way because you knew what was supposed yeah, to exactly. happen. Uh, to add to this level of confusion, in both <clears throat> books, completely different views of... He's not going to come up with this show, but I assume he will eventually. Governor Woods Rogers, who was sent to the Caribbean to deal with the piracy problem because the piracy problem was getting out of control... Mm-hmm. And some books describe him as like he was a loyal patriot and a good man. And others, he was a heartless fucking monster. And because this is the British Empire in the 1720s, again, both is probably true. Like he was probably a loyal son of Britain that was trying to protect British citizens. But also, that doesn't go great for you if you're not directly a British citizen traditionally. And I guess now that we've talked about the history, let's go completely into the fucking, unless yeah. you have something. Well, there was one thing, because as you brought up, at some point, you you know, you've had a, even if it's not super deep, we've, we've all had sort of a little pirate stint. Uh-huh. Who's your favorite pirate? Favorite being a loose word here. Yes, They're terrible no, I people. Understand. But like... um, I like Black Bart because he was actually good at his job. Okay. Black Bart is considered probably the most successful pirate of that era. He had like 400 ships caught, which is insane. Right. That's, you know, Blackbeard and one of his allies were thought to have 300 combined. Blackbeard was my favorite when I was a kid because, you know, he's Blackbeard. And then you Mm -hmm. grow up and you're like, oh, man, like, oh. Blackbeard is rumored to have kept marrying women and then like giving them to the crew. And you're like, oh, Mm. never mind there. Which... I think I mentioned it last week when we talked about watching this. Romanticizing Blackbeard as into it as I am in this show is such a wild choice. Overall. Overall. If you stop and look at Blackbeard versus Ed, Mm -hmm. like, they are not remotely the same character. (laughs) Steed Bonnet kind of is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, I really loved Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. I still really like Mary Reed. Anne Bonnie's kind of a spoiled rich girl. Okay. And it's honestly thought that like she was in prison and about to die and Mary Reed had died and her daddy probably went and rescued her. Gotcha. And that's why we, I mean, cause we have recorded Mary Reed died in prison Anne Bonnie just disappears from history. Hmm. Uh, Mary Reed is pretty fucking great. There's, for whatever reason, I know Mary Reed and Bonnie and Calico Jack better than, like, almost any other pirate I know. Okay. But Calico Jack sucks donkey dick. (laughs) He's just a piece of shit, and he's not a very good pirate either. Like, (laughs) um, That's funny. Not Caribbean. Madam, oh, God, who is it? It, It's Madam Wu. I want to say she oh, was the yeah, pirate yeah, queen the, of China. Yeah. The pirate queen. She's fucking horrifying and incredible. Okay. She had like 400 ships working for her. She was routinely pantsing the Chinese Navy. Like good ones. What I, about you? 
still to this day, even after reading about the other ones, it's it's the pirate that first got me reading about other pirates. And that is, uh, oh God, I, my French is terrible. Yep, that's going to come up a few times in this. Uh, Francois Lolanois? Lolanois? I don't know this one. Uh, Jean-David No. It was what he was also known as. Uh, earlier, earlier pirate from mm-hmm. uh, 1660s. Mm. Oh, a uh, fucking another just terrible, vile man. No, oh, like, yeah. Oh, none of these people are good people. <clears throat> expert torturer uh, was like sacking towns in Venezuela with his crew and shit. Most notably, I believe he was. I can't remember which island, but he eventually got captured by like some of the natives in the area mm-hmm. and they knew of him and his reputation. So when they killed him, they didn't just kill him. They, uh, quartered his body, burnt it down to ashes and spread it in four different corners of the Island so that he could never come back. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Also, there's a really good account of, like, one time uh, him and his crew captured some, I think it was a Spanish vessel, and in front of the rest of his crew, he cut the heart out of a guy and started gnawing on it. Fuck. Uh, Another one that I don't, I can't put him as my favorite, but, uh, like, today, for whatever reason, it clicked, and I was like, I need to learn more about this guy, is uh, Benjamin Hornigold. Okay. Who was... Hornigold. <laughs> he was uh, uh, Blackbeard's captain mm-hmm. before Black. Like Blackbeard was his first mate before he became a captain in his own right, and he fucking trained a couple of other pirates as well, and helped formed the Republic of Pirates in Nassau, which comes up in this. But what it was was Nassau was a uh, collapsed British colony. It fell apart after the during the Spanish War of Succession, and the pirates just kind of moved in and took over for a while until the pirates pissed off the British, and suddenly they weren't at war with the Spanish, so they were able to focus again. Yeah. They're like, oh, now that we're not at war, we have a bunch of ships to just go take, take care control of this. of this. It is interesting one thing, one of the highest numbers was 2,000 recorded pirates at one time. Okay. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But also, ships had between 50 to 100 crew, usually, because pirate crews were big. Right. That means, like, a couple hundred pirate ships total. Total? I mean, it, it, let's say 100. Let's aim, like, for the smallest possible number. That's 20 pirate ships? Do I have my numbers there right? 100, 2,000 divided by 100 would be 20? Yes. Yes. So, like, maybe as low as, like, 20 to 50 pirate ships active across... And, I mean, this era was... We talk about the Caribbean, but it was also the west coast of Africa, which was a huge thing, like that mm-hmm. crossing, and up in a little bit into Europe. That's not nearly as many ships as we, like... Romantic. I'm realizing what an effect Pirates of the Caribbean had on me as I like <laughs> think of this like giant nation, but it definitely was not. Right. Yeah, there's... Wow, saying all the numbers out loud. You go, huh. Like, oh. Like, that's... 
probably more people than should be doing some of those things, but, <laughs> but also it's not that many people. And I mean, I don't like, I don't know that like 2000 was the highest number right. there ever was, but it was one of the things that came up in one of the books I was reading of like in this year, it was recorded 2000 pirates. Man, that just, it opens up so many questions that I, I don't have the skill to answer. Oh yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> and like there's, I mean, lots of people don't have the skill to answer or else I wouldn't be asking the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like fucking dollars to donuts. There was definitely more, but how much more? Yeah. And you know, 2000 recorded pirates. What does that mean? Like mm -hmm. there's not a fucking census. And <laughs> if they were, most of them are like, I'm a maritiner. I'm a sailor. I'm totally not a pirate. Or what's the squiggles on this page? I'm a well, I'm like, you know, most apparently, and I don't know how true this is. This is another one of those things that I read that I have never heard anywhere else. So I can't confirm. But one thing was saying, we know that the, you know, skull and crossbones as we think of wasn't nearly as common as it gave credit for, but the, it was saying that a lot of pirate flags that we do like say, you know, this was Blackbeard's pirate flag. This is whoever's were later illustrations made up by people writing the histories of those characters. Oh, okay. So a lot of them might have just had a plain black or a plain blood red flag as opposed to like, this is the symbol of the Queen Anne's Revenge or this is the symbol of the... I don't remember what Calico Jack's ship was. It was... He was really bad. <laughs> he was... <laughs> I'm going to look it up real quick. I want to find out what his ship name is. I mean, it's always like the Revenge or... Uh, the only name I can find for certain is uh, the Kingston, which was the ship that he had captured and then was, yeah. was using when he had like the battle where he got captured. We really need to state how unimportant he was to history <laughs> other than he accidentally got two women on board. <laughs> One was on purpose. He did. He did seduce in Bonnie. I keep wanting to say Anne Reed. I keep going up their names. Also really hope we get Anne Reed and or Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed in season two, if we get season two, because we do have Calico Jack. Oh no. It looks like his ship was the William. Okay. Like there's Bill over there. Yeah. Hey, it's the bill. <laughs> oh God. I mean, I don't, it wasn't even like the William. It was just William. It's Bill. <laughs> it's Jesus bill. Christ, man. But I think he was on the Kingston when he eventually got captured. Probably. Yeah. I do like just less fun little before we go into the actual show after he got caught, because the only people that resisted when he got caught were, uh, Anne, Bonnie and Mary Reed mm -hmm. because everyone else was too fucking drunk and they just surrendered. And he got permission to see Anne after they got caught before he was going to be put to death. And he's like, Anne, like, forgive me, come love me this last time. And she's like, no, fuck you. If you had fought like men, you wouldn't be dying like a dog right now and left. Awesome. <laughs> and that really sums up how useless he was as a human being. And luckily they made him just as fucking useless in this show. Oh, God. Okay. So let's get into this show. Mm-hmm. First episode directed by Taika Waititi. I don't how I don't know how we want to go through this. I will say just here, I think the first episode is the weakest episode of this show. So if you and it's not bad, but if you watch it and you're like, I don't, you know, this is fine. I don't know if it's 100 for me. 
get to where Blackbeard appears. I was about to say, I I was on board for the show. Oh, and I, I was it. interested where it was going, but I don't think I really start to actively like the show until episode four, which is the first one that's like Blackbeard heavy. I started I mean, getting mm, invested. Actively like is a weird way to say it. I actively like the first three episodes, just not... I started getting, mm. let's say, I think for me the term is invested mm. in this show, is around episode three where they go to the Republic of Pirates, where they go to Nassau and meet Spanish Jackie, and we start really, like, taking off. The first two episodes literally is just prep work. Well, it's even, it's, in my opinion, it's even weird prep work. Going back and re-watching the show, that pilot episode kind of feels like it's trying to be a workplace comedy. And then the rest, like once Ed shows up, it's not really a workplace comedy anymore. It becomes a romantic comedy. Also from this point on spoilers, you know, you've watched Mm -hmm. the show or you've listened to the show before. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This point spoilers (laughs) here be spoilers. Gar. Gar. Gonna try not to do that too much. Um, okay, how do we want to do this? Let's let's first uh, list off the cast. Okay, because these that. people super deserve uh, Reese Darby as Steed Bonnet. Hell yeah, bud! Which had me sold before I knew Tycho was going to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Like I knew Tycho was helming the show, but I didn't realize until you know a couple months after this had been announced that he was also going to act in it. <laughs> well, it wasn't super clear at first. Like, mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I'll be in some of it. But, like, we didn't realize how much some was the secondary main character. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, Taika as Blackbeard. Who, we're gonna, someone pointed this out to me at work today. His costume is Mad Max's costume. Yes. That's that all fucking, I could think of the entire time. That fucking blew my mind. Because I was like, alright, he's got the leather jacket. Like, it looks really good. It's not super accurate, but whatever. It I get distracted uh, by his fake tattoos. Because <laughs> they do a really good job on his fake tattoos. They look, like, appropriately aged and shit. But they just look dope on him, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it. I'm used to seeing Taika without facial hair, so it amazed me how uncomfortable I was oh, when I he didn't have facial hair. I didn't like him at the end with no facial hair. I was well, like, I mean, grow you're it not back. really grow supposed back. to, but yeah, like <laughs> at least it doesn't have to be all that long. You could just, you know, like short cropped beard. Uh, Christian Nairn as Wee John, uh, better known as Hodor. That's Hodor. Okay. Yeah. Nathan Fouad as Lucius Spriggs, who's the scribe. Okay. Uh, Samson Kayo as Oluwande Budari. I loved him. Oh, yeah. Olu's awesome. <laughs> Olu's fucking great. I like that Olu gets to play the sh- like, straight man character of all of this. He is the only normal person in this entire goddamn show. Yeah. Frenchy borders on normal at most of the time. Which one is Frenchie again? I don't have all of the cast. Uh, Frenchie was the one running the pyramid scheme with Olu. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Most of the time, he's pretty normal. There's times where they use him to, to interact with the others, and he goes a little bit beyond. But He's a, uh, he's a weirdo pirate guy, but he is less insane than, <laughs> than everyone else. Uh, Rory Kinnear as... Uh, both Captain Nigel Badminton and Admiral Chauncey Badminton. 
Yes. <laughs> Chauncey. Oh, Chauncey. And probably more badminton to come. I'm going to guess they're going to keep rolling with that joke. My I dear so. younger brother. Or my dear twin brother. Doesn't he have more hair than you? That's fucking rude, man. Con O'Neill as Izzy Hands. Izzy Hands is another one of those that is a relatively historical figure. Like, there was a real-life Izzy Hands. Oh, yeah. I think. Who... Israel Hands, also known as Basilica Hands, was an 18th century pirate best known for being second in command to Edward Teach. And he actually had a much longer career than Edward Teach, if I remember. Although I think he became a privateer or something like that. Um, he is the worst, but not the actor. I actually really hope the actor's a nice guy, because he plays... You need someone to be the, like, shitty, unaccepting douche of the weird family <laughs> the, that develops the family from family pirate ship. Yes! <laughs> um, I will... A minor spoiler. Next episode, we do... He's in a small part, but we will be seeing him again. He's in the Batman? Yes. Oh, my God. Not for... He's not in a, a big part in it, but no, he's No, but in I'm going to see if I catch him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Vico Ortiz as Bonifacio Jimenez. That's the... Jim. Oh, Jim is someone we desperately need more time with. Jim's... Jim and Olu are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> They're super cute. Jim is kind of the closest there is to like a traditional action hero pirate character from old school pirate novels. Mm -hmm. Ewan Bremner as Buttons. The insane cook? Uh, Buttons was the insane nude moonlight bather. Oh, Oh, if that's who I'm thinking of, I think that guy's won an Academy Award. Let me double check this. This is... No, uh, Nat Faxon, who will come up in a moment. Oh, yeah. Who is the... Nat Faxon won an Academy Award for uh, co-writing The Descendants. Right, uh, David Fane is Fang. Uh, the one that Lucius sketches. Mm, yeah. On Blackbeard's crew. Oh, I liked him. I wanted more of him. He was clearly just wearing, like, a biker leather vest and, like, one of those trashy studded mm -hmm. belts, like, around his head, it I want to so say. Like, but it's, this is one of the things, because it is so irreverent about it, as long as you have a Viking, or not a Viking, a pirate feel, you fit into this world. Joel Fry is Frenchie. Guz Khan as Ivan, who's the other, like, the other imposing member of Blackbeard's crew. Yes. Uh, Matthew Maurer as Black Pete. I was really expecting to hate Black Pete a lot more than I did by the end of it. I was real ready for Black Pete to be, like... Because in those early episodes, he's that annoying, kind of annoying piece of shit, like, talking himself up, this is what a real pirate should do kind of thing. And then he just becomes a really kind of, like, weirdly sweet character. And that's what's all considered the main cast. Everyone mm -hmm. else is technically considered supporting. I'm not going to name off everybody supporting, but, but there are some that are big bigger ones. than yeah. others. Because, like, you brought up Nat Faxon, who plays the Swede. Nat Faxon's great. I, I fucking love the Swede as well. <laughs> uh, Samba Shoot is Roach. He's the cook. Oh, okay. Roach is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Leslie Jones shows up as Spanish Jackie. Who we looked her up. She is, God, I'm going to mispronounce some French, so it's my turn now. She is theoretically based off of a real pirate, a woman named Jacotte de la Haye. That's, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, it's probably like Jacotte de la She is a woman from Haiti who took over the Caribbean island of Tortuga and made it a freebooters republic. She did live about 60 years before this era in one of the earlier, like, golden ages of pirates. Mm. Um, And there is some debate about whether she actually existed. A lot of museums do treat it as, like, no, she absolutely did. Look at this woman. She's incredible. And other people going, but we don't really have great Sources. sources for her. I sure hope she does, because Haitian woman takes over Tortuga and creates a, like, rep, you know, fucking haven out of it mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. She's, she's not going to turn it into a restaurant, though. That's too much overhead. <laughs> I'm 25. You look great. <laughs> Fred Armisen is Gerald Geraldo. Fred Armisen, I have realized while watching this, he's never one of those actors I seek out. But I don't think I have ever watched a show where Fred Armisen appears where he doesn't make it a little better. I agree. I agree. Like, I don't really care about Portlandia, but, like, his recurring character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Halipnos, is one of my favorite, like, recurring gags in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And fucking my favorite episode of season two of Miracle Workers that he's is probably the one he's so in is the, like, <laughs> burnt-out musician. That was so good. Claudia O'Doherty as Mary Bonnet. Ooh, she's... We'll talk about her. And let me see. Oh, and Will Arnett as Calico Jack. Mm-hmm. And then I think of the other supporting, the only other... I'm going to bring up a Tim Heidecker was Doug. Which one was Doug? Mary's new guy. Oh, yes. Okay, I didn't recognize him. Um, and then there were also just a couple of small ones that aren't really that important. Uh, Nick Kroll shows up. Kristen Shaw shows up. A lot of people that were on, like, you know, Flight of the Concords appear somewhere in there. And the woman who was the the blonde lady from Third Rock from the Sun, whose name I don't know, oh, uh, appears. Right. Uh, Kristen Johnston. Thank you. And I'm only bringing that up because when we realized who that was, I could not unsee it. That's fucking I did. I did not put that together until you just said it now, and... No, Cece mentioned it, and so I was just like, oh, you're right. Man. <laughs> I remember buying a 12-pack of Barks Root Beer just for the 3D glasses for the Third Rock from the Sun 3D episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wild. Oh. I also remember that... It was a really weird pair of 3D glasses because they didn't use red and blue 3D because it was Barks Root Beer. So it was like off clear and like root beer. Well, that sums up kind of my opinion of Barks Root Beer of like this is fun and goofy but not very good in the same way that I like Barks Root Beer because it's root beer. But it's also fucking terrible as a root beer. Yeah. The best part is it it has caffeine, whereas most of the other root beers don't. And it has bite, because I have been trained by fucking product placement since I was a small child. Barks has bite. I will fucking not remember anyone's name when I have dementia, but I can probably say that sentence, just shoot it out. 
which it took me like six years to realize was a reference to the fact that it has caffeine. I just learned this right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, God, Barks is not good. Um, all right, but this show, do we want to go episode by episode here, or? Uh, I mean, we can, but, like, it doesn't matter to me. I, I took kind of notes episode by episode. I have it laid out here, but... I don't care what we talk about as long as we're talking about it. Okay. Well, let's at least talk about, I mean, we'll go loosely by episode. How about that? Yeah. Uh, we introduce, we have a relatively accurate version of who Steed Bonnie was. He was the gentleman pirate. He was completely unaware of how to do pirating. It is extremely over the top. He doesn't know how to pirate. Yeah. It is extremely over the top. He probably did not have a giant fucking library like that. I doubt he had a badminton court. I could see him having the library. He probably didn't have the hidden wardrobe. Oh, yeah. You are very right. He has a kind of... A kind of Michael Scott from The Office. Especially the first couple episodes. Not nearly as problematic as Michael was. Right. Because, I mean, he was just designed to be the idiot who says the wrong thing and is accidentally Mm -hmm. offensive. And Steed's not that. He's just fucking useless honestly the first episode is legit just him kind of introducing everything that's going on. we have to set up what steed is trying to do in this first episode for everything else to work but it's like a lot of pilots it's prep work the best gag of this is that they want to overthrow him but they can't decide if they should because he reads them bedtime stories and None no of one else can do the voices right. And none of like, <laughs> yeah, nobody can read except for Lucius and he can't do the voices, which I thought was hilarious because like I listened to quite a bit of Reese Darby because uh, he does the cryptid factor podcast, mm-hmm. which isn't super regular, but then, you know, they have like a good seven episodes enough, yeah. out. And so even, even when they haven't put out a new episode, I can always go back to an old one if I want to mm-hmm. like, that's what he does. He's he's one of those, um, his actual comedy style is very akin to like a Robin Williams, where it's a very much manic energy and jumping into a shit ton of characters that he makes up on the fly. And they all have distinct voices. Just imagine being in a D&D campaign someone like that could run. Oh, it would be fucking oh, fantastic. Be so, I, I would be and so stressed, a, like, trying to, like, Sometimes it would be annoying. <laughs> let, me, let me be completely real. I've listened to enough of him that at times it would be too much. Yes, it's like Robin Williams. You know, when mm-hmm. he works, there's no one funnier than him. But when he doesn't work, it was mostly when he was on too much cocaine. But, like, it was... <laughs> but when they're just like, oh, yeah, he does the voices. I'm like, yes, I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved the joke in the first one that he actually pays his crew a salary and it took them a while to get used to that idea. Yeah. Uh, There's the flag competition. We find out that Roach is terrified of cats. So the flag ends up being really close to his real flag. I think so, yeah. Minus the cat. Yeah. But like the things on the side of the cat are from his flag. (laughs) I do think it is... Interesting. The thing I noticed in this is all of them were like, this guy's an idiot. We shouldn't follow him. But they all end up doing what he says, no matter what. Anyways, like, he's like, let's have a craft day and design a flag. And they're like, that's dumb. We're not going to do that. And then they all fucking do it. They all like everyone follows his lead without even meaning to. 
and kind of without him meaning for them to, which I think is an interesting character to play or to like play with. I feel like they, they do like they lampshade that a little bit towards the end of the episode where they have to like kind of have Olu spell out like, look like what the fuck else are we going to do? Like this is the easiest job any of us have ever had. (laughs) Even if we don't raid something, we're still getting paid. Yeah, we're making good money doing this, so why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't make that much sense that they would just follow this asshole. <laughs> but I kind of think of it as almost like... It made me think of Carrot from the Discworld novels. Oh, okay. Not the same scale, but yeah. like everyone is so confused by what's happening and like he believes so strongly that everyone's just like a good chap underneath that they kind of just roll with whatever he says. Well, I think, I think it's partially that specifically like guards, guards carry. Yeah. I think it's partially something along those lines. And there's one other scene in this first episode that it's very pivotal to the crew following steed. And I honestly, I think also like, once again, I love Reese Darby, but the star of this first episode is everyone else who every other actor that is at the dinner between him and Captain <laughs> Badminton and the look of realization that comes over their faces as they realize how Steed has been treated his entire life. Yeah. As everyone sees it, because and that is the kind of the thing. They're like, you're a fucking idiot, but like Clearly, no one has ever respected you once in your life. And we feel kind of bad for that because you're not a bad. He's not a bad guy from the from the beginning. A little bit of entitled rich boy, but like he's. Well, and if we're being honest about his crew, other than like Jim, his entire crew is made up of people that would be the lowest rank on any other ship that they would, would be on. Mm hmm. They're Except all for kind maybe of Oluwande, who probably yeah. does, but he's not like you know first. But he mate wouldn't, or no, he wouldn't like be first mate. And I was about to say, it's probably same with Frenchie. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be the very bottom, but he's nowhere near the top. He'd be near the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> like um, fucking the 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 Swede, whatever his name is, <laughs> is absolutely at the bottom. Right. I mean, um. Or the the guy the one you were talking about that I always mix up with the Swede. Uh, um, yeah, buttons is only useful <laughs> for like how good his eyes are, because <laughs> he is constantly just like oh ship on the horizon. Oh, there's another one. We'll get to him in a moment. His naked with a seagull scene, <laughs> which is such a weird sentence, and but is like one of the most perfect scenes of the show for the amount of like awkward white pale butt. <laughs> that I have to see during that scene. Um, but I think there's a moment there where they're like, we see ourselves in him during mm-hmm. that scene. And I think all those actors pulled it off. Extremely wonderfully. Well. well, and plus they were all getting ragged on too because of their flags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and Roach being like, Roach's entire insistence that the cat is the scariest thing on that Earth. That was Frenchie. Frenchie's, God damn, I'm so sorry. I don't have any of these uh, <laughs> side crew's names down yet. I, I, I'm going to have to watch it a time or two. Me and names. We've covered this over the years. 
his insistence that the cats are the scariest thing is the funniest part of this episode. They steal your soul. <laughs> right? Uh, and then when we see these... I do like that when we see these pirates actually be pirates, even though they are like the useless dregs, they're not bad pirates. They overwhelm yeah. fucking trained British soldiers almost without trying. Mm-hmm. They were uh, set up not on purpose, thanks to Steed, <laughs> to have like the perfect ambush against those. Oh, guys. yes. But but like when the time came for action. They could do it. They jumped in, no question. Fucking metal teeth and all. Oh, God. Uh, the the kind of only other important thing to mention in this episode is uh, one of the, the, the dear sweet twin brother, whose name I don't have, uh, Oh the, yeah, uh, the British commander, yeah, yeah, yeah. accidentally Bad dies man. trying to kill Steed. And oh, oh, he wasn't even trying to kill Steed. He was about to run off and join the battle. Okay. That's right, because Steed wasn't important enough to kill falls on his own sword and Olu convinces Steed to claim that he killed him. Is And then do we see little bits of Mary in this first episode? If we do, it's, it's just literal like the very seconds early flash. We, yeah. We see little moments of Steed. We of do his, see a little bit of Mary in this one. Of his wife seeming to hate him mm-hmm. and his dad being a dick to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of leads us into episode two. Uh, a damned man which is mostly him freaking out about the fact that he killed someone, even though he did not kill someone. No, but you know, <laughs> someone is dead because of him. Yeah. So I get it. But like, I, I realize, man, he words certain things interestingly throughout the series to continue referencing that. Like I noticed even in the last episode when he's like, sitting at the bar with his homies and they're like, mm-hmm. regale us with your stories at time, your time being a pirate. And they're like, have you ever killed anyone? He's like, the I've way he answers is like, I have been the cause of death. Uh-huh. And we'll get to it when we get there, but that scene was fucking masterfully done by Reese mm-hmm. Darby. Like the way that his, he saw some shit like you, and you don't realize how much he's grown until that episode comes up. I don't know. This one also falls for me under a not particularly strong episode, but not like there's no bad episode of this show. It's just that there's some that are definitely weaker than the others. Yeah. And it's kind of these first two. Yeah. Um, the prisoners run off. Uh, everyone gets caught by natives. I was really nervous the moment natives showed up because it's been done badly so often. In television, even when it's like natives being like these fucking white people, man, which is very much the route they took on this one. Um, I think they did better than most. Yeah, I, look, I I trust Tycho with native shit, especially exactly. after Reservation Dogs. I still need to see that, especially after Reservation Dogs. I fucking holy shit, that show. Um, God, I can't wait for that to come back. <laughs> no, I I fucking I I loved it. I love the fact that. Olu was just hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you want to hang out? Um, Oh, and somewhere in the, I think it was in the last episode, although it comes up much more here, we find out that Jack is secretly a woman. Jim. Jim is secretly a woman. We find out at the end of the first episode, but this is the one where uh, they're like, I got to go get a fucking bath. Yeah, it, it comes up. 
and that Jim is a woman. and then Lucius finds out, mm-hmm. and you get the well. Remember, not all beards are actual beards. <laughs> like I know something about having to hide who I am. Yeah, he's kind of stereotypically gay, but I'm not mad about it either. No. Like he's, I was about to say he's. I don't, even though he says that, I'm like, I don't think you're hiding anything right now, but probably growing up you were, so I understand why you're telling Jim mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I do feel, though, that uh, Lucius on the ship is living out and proud. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that'll definitely come up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet fucking Izzy in this I, one. I will point out, Vico Ortiz, actual non-binary actor. So I should not be using she, thank you. I should be using they. Well, the character was a she at the... The character is a she? You were referring to Jim? Yes. It's never quite clear. I'm not sure how to go about that. I'm going to go with they just to be safe. And this is one of the things we were talking about. um, But they they refer to Jim as she, but also as Jim. Mm Mm-hmm. And the actor themselves are non-binary, so I think it's going to be easier just to go with they at this I agree. point. But uh, the show itself is not 100% clear, and I don't think Jim is 100% clear. Partly, I mean, this is a super romanticized version of this era, but especially in Western civilization, whatever the fuck that means, non-binary wasn't a thing that existed. I know, and that's a, the feeling I get from Jim is I I feel that Jim both doesn't know, but doesn't necessarily care Mm -hmm. either. As long as Jim gets to live the way Jim wants. And it ties into a whole lot of Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed as, you know, women who dressed up as men. Were they trying to live as men? Because both of them were raised as men for part of their childhoods Mm. as, as males for various disguise reasons, because their parents all sucked. (laughs) But, uh, well, no, Mary's mother was just desperate, but that's a whole bit read about them. They're fucking fascinating. But there's a whole lot of question on like, are, were they, you know, trying to live as men? Did they, would they be someone who identified as men, but were born as women? Or was that just kind of the option available to them? Mm-hmm. And the answer is kind of, I don't know if it's important because either way is super fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. And like, Either one. We don't have a way of proving one way or the other. And they're not around to tell us. Exactly. So like either way is kind of interesting and it is an interesting question, but like there's not a definitive answer. I do think it's interesting that Jim decided that they wanted to stay. Jim? Jim. Although they stopped wearing the beard and the nose, though, if I remember. Yes, absolutely. I mean, later. That'll come up in an episode. But once again, that's. Because that was part of the disguise. Now they're not disguised. The crew just needs a name to fucking call them. They just them. <laughs> don't want to be Jim. Um, I do think that... I do love... <laughs> this is jumping into the next episode, but I do love once the crew all knows, and they're not sure whether they're going to call Jim Jim or not anymore, when Swede's like, if you're not going to be Jim, can I be Jim? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Swede. I was expecting the Jim storyline to last, like, un- in disguise to last a lot longer yeah than not like episode three i thought it was gonna be a season knows. long thing yeah uh i don't know i don't have much on episode two other than we mentioned that bonnet accidentally beats izzy hands not accidentally but like not really through his own successes he just oh yeah he well he bluffs him really well mm-hmm. 
It's like my entire crew's out in the fucking woods. At my, on my mark, unleash hell. Uh, yeah, it, it, it really is kind of important for setting up. Izzy does not like Steed. No. At all. Is he weirdly? Rem- <laughs> this is a weird comparison. Is he weirdly reminded me of pro poker players that get pissed when somebody is playing "quote unquote" wrong? We're professionals. This is how you play, and you're like, "Well, I'm fucking winning, so clearly it's okay." Mm-hmm. I never would have put it in that, like in poker, because I, I never fucking have watched pro poker players, but I know exactly the type that you're talking about, and you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Which is what makes him interesting with Blackbeard in a few minutes. <laughs> um, uh, at the very end of this, uh, uh, Jim kidnaps Lucius and hides them in a box. Yes. And it becomes very clear, even though it was not a super secret, that Olu is interested in Jim. Well, yeah, because the elders like... You can come stay with us. And Olu's just like, I got long I got somebody on the ship. You know, the fact that he's named Jim does kind of tie into the office a little bit too. Like they were, I don't know if they were purposely doing these office comparisons, but oh, like, I mean, thanks to this being a fucking pirate show, I just kept Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. Jim. I'm not Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. He's Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jim. I might have, fuck, there's so many things to watch tonight. <laughs> Episode three, they go to Nassau because they need, what is it that they need? It's not oranges. That comes up later. Oh, it's because Steed wants to go introduce himself to the other outlaws as As the the gentleman pirate. Yeah, the gentleman pirate. He's like, I need to make my introduction into the world. It's, it's, he's basically trying to throw himself a fucking, uh, coming out party. A coming out party. Yeah. But as a pirate, which is Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> it really is, to use Belagarth terms, the person who comes to the first event or practice and they are dressed to the nines with garb that is completely impractical for running around. And they have the biggest, I'm just not the nicest, the biggest sword they could get their hands on. It's the fucking buster sword. Just yeah. They're like, Oh, I bought this. It's a claymore. And we're like, Okay. Technically, you are kind of right, but we don't use that terminology and it's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, you do not know what you are talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what a claymore is, but like, what would be the right terminology? uh, We would call it a red. Okay. Because a, a red is a weapon that is over four feet long that with two hands you can break shields with. Mm. Uh, we do color coding technically and number coding, but like, uh, to, to mark it. So like if there's a red wrapping on the pommel, that means the two hands, it can break a shield. It's over a certain size. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can totally call it a claymore or a buster sword or a nodachi or whatever Mm -hmm. fucking thing you're trying to make. But because they all largely fall under the same rulings, we generally just refer to them as red. Mm-hmm. A min red is like the absolute minimum size. A glaive is like a fucking pole with a sword on the end of it. Right. Okay. Um, and there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those people. We love them. They're, they're into it. We're super down, but there's always that like, Oh, you're going to get your ass kicked until like, you figure your shit out. You're way more enthusiasm than anything else right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. 
is going to be a real rough first practice. We hope you make it through. Like, and that's, that's definitely Steed showing up in all white suit NASA. <laughs> fucking drinking out of the nose jar. And oh. Oh, for the most part, this episode, other than some prep stuff of like, it is time for Blackbeard to meet Steed. And him refusing to just like go to where Blackbeard is. This is mostly a Jim and Olu episode. Right, because we start getting drops of Jim's backstory. We get, like, Jim killed one of Spanish Jackie's 19 husbands. <laughs> like, uh, and, the, and has the family knife. And, mm-hmm. and that Jim's father was murdered by a group of people, mm-hmm. and Jim is on a quest for revenge. Did you catch that, the, the group? Uh, the joke there, the I Siete Gaios? No, I do not. Uh, so, seven. Siete. Yeah. Gaios is a uh, rooster. The seven cocks. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we meet Fred Armisen here. He's a very Fred Armisen role. He's... I loved it every second <laughs> of it. Even though I will say the fact that he's going to fucking turn on him in the end is telegraphed from like five miles from away. The very beginning. Of course it is. And I don't think it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be a surprise, but I also was kind of like... Okay, so when's it going to happen? No, it was a thing of you really needed to see how unprepared Steed was for all of this. And so immediately falling for Fred Armisen's very, like, very bad double cross kind of shows how badly he needs. uh, Well, and it was the double cross. So the end of this episode surprised the fucking hell out of me. Yeah, it took off in ways that I was not expecting it to yet. Because it's the end of this episode where Jim gets outed to the crew. Mm-hmm. They tear off the nose. They tear it's... off the nose because Spanish Jackie wants it for her new nose jar. And then Steed gets fucking stabbed. Like, badly stabbed. And was being hung. Yeah. And admits he's a shit pirate. Like, I, that was, I think, a really important moment where Jim calls out, like, you're the worst fucking captain of all time. And he's like, yep, that's accurate. Yep, that's fair. <laughs> Because uh, he needed to have that, like, oh, fuck, I am wildly unqualified for this to get to the point where he actually could learn and start training before. Because before he was just like, I'm a gentleman. Of course I can handle this. But he can't. He absolutely cannot. Uh, we kind of skipped over to Spanish Jackie. So there's not a ton to talk about to her in this, but she is like a nice little piece of world building kind of more than anything else. And who is that? That's Leslie Jones. Yes. That's Leslie Jones. Does a great job. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I hope we keep getting more of Spanish Jackie in some way or another, but she's kind of just her character development doesn't happen much and it doesn't happen until later in the series. She feels like the, the like, uh, kind of like more of the newer takes on the penguin, not newer, super, not like he's a criminal all the time. It's more like he's a criminal. He is sometimes going to backstab you, but he also has a lot of good information. He's, and so a, we're he's have absolutely to... a criminal. He's a mobster, but he runs this lounge, which honestly is a pretty new thing because that didn't happen until the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and it's the best thing to ever happen to the penguin. So having that, like, yeah, I'm absolutely a fucking mobster or in this case, pirate mobster, but I just run my bar and I run business and you fucking come to me if you need something is a really good piece of world building. And the fact that she's got a fucking nose jar is 
weirdly hilarious and gross. Gross. Episode four, Discomfort in a Married State. One of the best episodes of the series. Absolutely. Yeah, I honestly think that I, I love where this, this series ends up. I love where it goes. Episodes four and five are probably a toss-up for my favor right now. When the, the show's making this transition is... It's those center episodes really are... And I mean, like, the end episodes are great, and they do set up some really needed things to happen. But these they ones... they have emotional bits in them. They're really cool, but these ones are transformative. If this had been a longer series, this middle stage would have been, like, most of the series still of them learning to be pirates together. Uh, and we get so much of Blackbeard immediately here because he's legitimately kind of scary mm-hmm. in this episode. But also the like ongoing fascination of like, what the fuck is happening on this ship? Well, it's weird. He, he has all of the same fascination that Badminton had, except he's not dismissive of it. Mm-hmm. He's like... What is this? How are you doing this? You have an entire fucking library with you? Why? What? Okay, that's amazing. He's got the same confusion that Izzy has, but he's not, like, offended by it. He's fascinated. Mm -hmm. I mean, he talks about it of, like, I think it's in this episode of, like, you're the first person I've ever seen to do something interesting with pirating in years. And in this version, he's been Blackbeard for... I would guess decades. Yeah, it seems like he's been pirating in some way since he was uh, mid-teen. And he's clearly been captain longer than his two years that he was captain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Izzy makes a mention, I think in this episode, of like, I've been dealing with your increasingly erratic behavior for years Mm -hmm. now. But this entire bit, I mean, certainly... And you know what? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, we only know the two years of Blackbeard, really, but... I do feel kind of, like... I also, I also feel like you don't get that that notoriety without building up in some way. Yes, also those were a very busy couple of years. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is, fuck Izzy. But I also, at least in this episode, kind of get where he's coming from. He's yes. trying to run a fucking pirate ship and, like, look after his boss... And his boss is seemingly losing his mind and does not care about what's happening. No, I'll agree with you. Like, I hadn't thought about it before, but yeah, like, fuck Izzy. But in this episode, I would maybe be (laughs) acting the exact same. Like, Like, for God's sake, I'm trying to make this shit run. I mean, Izzy's kind of just like the shitty Lucius. Yeah, really? That's... (laughs) Or the shitty Olu. Yeah. You know, the people who actually keep everything going. Mm -hmm. But he's so determined that Blackbeard should be. He is so anti-personal growth. He wants Blackbeard to be who Blackbeard was years ago. I don't know if he's necessarily anti-growth. I think he's anti-change. Okay. And growth is change. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you that. Blackbeard is not who he was when he was younger, when he was, you know, just the dread pirate. And... Izzy doesn't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. We do get, this is the first. <sighs> this is when we start getting a lot more of Steed's backstory, though, too. Mm-hmm. And, because like, his married life and, and what that was like getting into it in the first place, not wanting to be married. 
I do like that from the very beginning, it's kind of like what we talked about of Ted Lasso's ex-wife. We at no point really see Mary treated as a bad person or like a shrew, Mm -hmm. which I was kind of expecting a little bit because when we see the like moments of her in the first episode, she's just glaring at him with disdain. But then we see that like she was kind of forced in the exact same situation that he was. These people met each other like 20 minutes before they got married. Neither one of them had any choice in it whatsoever. Yeah. And he's just kind of going through the motions and she's trying to make the best of it. I did dig her art. Yeah, she was a good banner. He was a little dick with it, but you know, like I do love that sort of the foreshadowing of where where we learn through the next few episodes basically where Blackbeard is in his life right now through his simple answer to Steed right from the get-go. He's like, oh, do you work for Blackbeard? He's like, oh, yeah, I yes, suppose I, I do. do. Because he's, the the legend of Blackbeard has gotten bigger than who Blackbeard is. And who Ed wants to be. Uh-huh. And it might have been who Ed thought he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not a, as he says, it's not a challenge anymore. It's not anything new anymore. I will note, because we've talked about how queer the show is, it hasn't gotten there yet. yet, but we get the first few hints. The way that he's like looking over Steed as Steed is stabbed and hallucinating. And it's not anything romantic, but the way that he interacts with Steed, the way that he gets close to him in a like bed scene is different than I am used to seeing two males portrayed on television. Mm, mm-hmm. And it, it's very subtle, but it was immediate like, huh, that that was a, that was different than kind of like what I was expecting. Uh, did you, going into this episode, did you know the science behind why women are bad on vessels? No. Because <laughs> they have crystals in their body. Ah, and yes, of course. The crystals attract <laughs> demons, <laughs> and the demons attract misfortune. Was this Roach? <laughs> that was uh, Frenchie. Okay. God damn it, I can't keep it up yet. That's... God. Oh, God. I fucking love how, even though past those first couple episodes, the show moves away from just feeling like it's trying to be a workplace comedy. Mm -hmm. I love how the crew all just treat Izzy as just a shitty middle manager that... That they have to deal with, like (laughs) none of them want to. Yeah. And like, he'll come in and they'll listen to him. And, and as then soon as he's left the room, <laughs> they go they're just back right to back to what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've all had that middle manager. Mm-hmm. This does have Oh, some... that has the fake light, the lighthouse and shit, which was interesting because once again, when you're going, when you're thinking about where this episode is going and you see, like, you know that the lighthouse is tied to, to Steed's marriage presence mm-hmm. and like their vows that were written for them basically. And, how they're supposed to be lighthouses for each other. And then Blackbeard telling them what lighthouses you're supposed to stay away. Lighthouses are there for you to fucking stay away from. But then they build a lighthouse together, they, which is mm-hmm. its own kind of fascinating little <laughs> bits of subtext. Uh, the bit, just amazing little acting from Taika when Steed reveals the fucking hidden closet. And it's just a very simple, 
fuck off. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was pretty good. Next, oh, fuck, I loved episode five, too. Uh, but before that, oh, yeah, ending yeah. of the episode of Blackbeard coming up with the plan of, well, the plan that he gives to Steed is, you teach oh, me to be a gentleman, right. I'll teach you to be a pirate. And the plan that he gives to Izzy is, we will kill Steed, I will take Steed's job, and you can take over Blackbeard's empire, mm-hmm. basically. Right. Five, so fucking funny. Here is where we are seeing Blackbeard learn to be a gentleman. After the the opening of a couple of the raids with Steed taking notes with Lucius. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the best revenge is dressing well, Mm -hmm. is the episode. First, I fucking, I love Nick Kroll anyway. (laughs) So Kroll and Christian Shaw showing up was I'm not a big Nick Kroll guy, but it worked well in this. Oh, that was so fucking perfect. I was like, oh, God damn it. This fucking asshole. <laughs> God. He plays shitty French gentleman. I mean, terrible French accent. But like if you're if you're doing that on purpose, he does it mm-hmm. perfectly of the most infuriating kind of. Look, that party's a good place for me to practice my massive aggression. You're correct. I was expecting this episode to be a lot more uncomfortable for me than it was because I like someone well, being kind of un- went really cringy mm-hmm. and I don't handle cringe very well. So I was expecting to need to like fucking leave the room for a moment and be uncomfortable. And instead it's just, we see why Steed doesn't want to be a part of it. And we understand how it's interesting for Blackbeard because this is, as we said, this is new. Mm-hmm. He's never fucking done this before. The fucking pyramid scheme had me rolling. That's so good. <laughs> and they fucked all of them over so well with all it. All like, of them. Uh, the fucking the sketching Fang was fucking hilarious. Yes. Also, the line of like, "Oh, you think you're cute? Actually, I know I'm not cute, but like, I'm just gonna like act like I am and roll with it." And I was like, "Yeah, buddy." Well, and was it fucking Black Pete's like it worked on me? (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Uh, We learned that Izzy is called, he's got a nickname with Blackbeard. Like, no one really respects Izzy. Izzy. Oh, Izzy, Izzy. That's it. They do what he says because he's the second in command in middle management, and we all put up with middle management whether we like it or not. But then when he leaves, you go, I mean, it's what you were saying about his crew, or about the the crew of uh, Steed's crew. Mm-hmm. Blackbeard doing really well until not doing really well and how quick they turn on him. That's all very, we all saw that coming, but it mm-hmm. was extremely well done. It was very well done. I did think of a quote where Taika talked about one of his goals in life is to never have to dress like a vampire again. Cause he apparently just fucking hated that. Uh, and then they that put him in this. purple suit. He came out in was oh, fucking, it was very good, but yeah. like that's worse than the vampire suit when it comes to uncomfortable shit to wear. 100%. <laughs> um, What I did appreciate is that we actually see, because up to this point, we don't see Steed successful at any point in his life. We don't see Steed, I mean, when we see fucking badminton completely disrespect Steed. But we see here, Steed's really fucking good. At, at like... His thing. Yeah, at his thing and how to deal with high society, even though he fucking hates high society. And that scene of how quickly he destroyed the entire party. Yes. 
Absolutely. And literally set it on fire. <laughs> With like four fucking lines. Also, the pyramid... Did I get it right that the pyramid scheme just gave all of the money to like the black servants? Yeah, and they And they just fucking the sh- left? Yeah. Like, oh, that's so good. The big... So there's the two big things towards the end of this episode is Badminton convinces... King Admiral George. Badminton convinces yes. King George to let him go after his brother's killer. Mm-hmm. And I do like the complete lack of respect they have for every gentry person we see on this show. Cause fuck the gentry and steed and fucking Blackbeard's interaction with the, you wear fine things well and giving them the, it becomes, that's the moment that it becomes directly romantic. Um, and I do know a lot of people were real set up for queer baiting to not happen or, and mm-hmm. then have it not happen. And, uh, spoiler alert. It does. This show at this point is like, okay, we're a romantic comedy now and let's just roll with it. Have you heard the official uh, ship name for those two? Bleed? Black Bonnet? Black Bonnet's better. I don't like, I don't dislike Bleed though. I would <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> totally into Black Bonnet. That's very cute. Yeah. Uh, six is the art of fuckery that starts with, um, Steed getting taught by Taika how to get ran through. And the very clear, like, Izzy thinks they're fucking Mm -hmm. because of the noises. I believe that was an intentional nod to like three's company. Okay. From what I, I I read, David Jenkins said something about that. I knew it was a clear nod to something. I haven't watched enough Three's Company to catch that. He's like, it's supposed to be like the same sort of thing as Three's Company, but we also intentionally set it up to be like, it's a romantic scene. Mm -hmm. God, like, oh man, like there's a, no vital organs here. Just like the kidney or no, the liver. What the fuck's the liver doing? (laughs) Like, oh no. Oh Oh, Blackbeard, that is very important. And we end up getting Blackbeard's story about the Kraken. And by the end of the episode, we find out what really happened. There is a lot that happens in this fucking episode. And the credit to the show of we talked about how we expected Jim's story to be stretched out much longer. They are not overly interested in this show of stretching out anything overly long and just we will have character growth and we will have it now. Mm -hmm. This is the one where Blackbeard mentions that he's never killed anybody past his father, Mm -hmm. which apparently might be true, which is incredible. It's where Lucian loses his finger after he gets horribly infected. Oh God, that crossed me out. Oh God. But then Black Pete makes whittles him. That was very cute. Uh, and they kind of become, because before it's just like, no, they're all fucking around. And this one, that's where they're like, oh, they're a couple. Izzy ends up defecting and going to Jackie by the end. And by defecting, they mean he was literally thrown off of the ship. <laughs> uh, and Blackbeard reveals that he was supposed to kill Steed, but doesn't want to. And a pretty good depiction of a panic attack. I'm always interested in depictions of panic attacks in media as someone who has had them because I've seen them really horribly portrayed before. But like seeing them, I feel like if you've had a panic attack, you portray them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and oh yeah, the, the Izzy getting thrown off was after the duel, mm-hmm. which that I fucking loved that. Like You have trained me well. Actually, not that well. <laughs> um, 
But I love like, looks like your weapon's inoperable. So technically, I win, and he's fucking stabbed to the mast. Um, all because he fucking ponied up for the expensive wood. <laughs> I I do like, and he's like, uh, oh, you're getting better. And he's like, yes, I haven't cut myself on my own sword in weeks. Oh, there we go. Immediately, just uh, there's so many sm- uh, small little lines, and obviously, I don't want to just like let's mm-hmm. list off all the funny jokes because that's not fun or funny, but just they're constant in this show. Seven is the scurvy episode. Okay, that's the they have to go on land for oranges, and here is a heavy gym episode, gym episode, but major step forward with Black Bonnet. Very, very sweet. When he's talking about his fucking restaurant or whatever and having the gift shop and their little... They're just describing the fucking Cracker Barrel. Um, But they're going back and forth and, like, making this real and, like, playing out the scene. And Lucius is just watching him like, this is happening. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I that is the very much cast, not cast, audience surrogate that Jim is in this one. I'm like, oh, fuck. Lucius. Lucius is... What did I say? Jim. God damn it. Oh, God. Uh, but this is where we get super heavy Jim backstory. Before that, the running gag of Blackbeard being like, I can't be fucking seen. Because everyone is so sure, just thanks to fucking Treasure Island, as we mentioned, it changes a lot of what we think mm-hmm. of as pirates, that everyone was going for fucking buried treasure. And there's like one fucking guy who was rumored to have buried his treasure. <laughs> and he wasn't even a pirate on purpose. He was supposed, I can't think of his name on, but he was supposed to be a privateer, Mm. but then he fucked up and took out the wrong ship and like, was like, well, guess I'm an enemy of the crown now. Oops. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) And Um, here's where we see Lucius being loyal to Steed. Steed in a way that he wasn't before, because before he's like, I'll absolutely help overthrow Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. This one we find out that Jim's name is Bonifacia Mm -hmm. or was Nana is awesome. And terrifying. And terrifying. I feel like she was trying to raise Machete. And, uh, uh, I just thought how super cool it was to have her be just super accepting. Mm-hmm. You learn it's because she's a super fucking scary nun that raised <laughs> Jim to be a fucking Jim divine is, vengeance anyway. But Jim is all set up to be Zorro or the Phantom or any of those like old school pulp action adventure revenge stories. I don't, did you did you laugh as hard as I did on the fact that they had a fucking crown bag covering the shovel tip? I didn't even catch that. I'm pretty sure it's it's just a crown royal bag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It looks exactly like a fucking crown bag. Oh, God. Uh, I think my favorite moment in this one is Black Pete com- complaining that he's not in charge and all of them God, yeah, being like, well, but I listened to Jim. Like, if Jim stabbed me, I'd think, yeah, I probably deserve this. <laughs> like, I would love to be stabbed by Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Nana just making fun of him for working for oranges. Mm-hmm. It was all great. I don't know, like... And here's where we get the fucking petrified orange that is only important because it'll come up later. Mm -hmm. It is so fucking gross. Looking back on it, I actually really like this episode a lot more than I think I did. It falls under that middle section right before everything goes from when Blackbeard joins up through the Calico Jack episode are my favorite episodes of this series. 
All the others are still good, but those are the ones where it's like everything's in the groove and they're getting better and better every episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, at the end of this one, Jim stays behind, though, because mm-hmm. because uh, it's the next couple episodes where Oluwande gives away the room. <laughs> he just wants Jim. I'm kind of surprised Oluwande didn't try to go with or anything. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Jim and Oluwande almost make out in this episode before, like, so they are very open about the fact... Again, what I was saying, this show is not really willing to draw things out. Many other shows at least would have waited till the end of the season. Will they, won't they? Yeah. And they're just like, no, this kind of just makes sense for they us right now. They fucking will. The closest there is to will they, won't they at this point is... Black Bonnet. Black Bonnet. And they don't have time for anyone else to take up that space. Mm-hmm. Eight's where Calico Jack shows up. And we get uh, Buttons and poor poor Carl. Fucking, what a weird little intro. Buttons belongs on the fucking Muppet Treasure Island ship. Yes. He's just... I'm going to say Will Arnett is in peak Will Arnett in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything, like... Everything I've seen implies that Will Arnett is actually, like, a really interesting, nice dude. But he's so good at playing... Manipulative douchebag. Yeah. Um, Because I I watched this through the first time with my girlfriend, and uh, on this episode, as it started in and Calico Jack shows up, Marge is sitting there and she's looking at him, and I'm looking at him, (laughs) and she's looking at him. You didn't catch him immediately? And I'm looking at him. And like um, after a minute of him being on screen, I was like... (gasps) I got it. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm like, that's Will Arnett. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this does bring up a thing, and it's fine, because they're all for the romanticization of pirates. <clears throat> the amount that people are able to just take a little dinghy oh. and, like, go into the ocean and be fine, and me being like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Not that. Don't. That's a good way to die. <laughs> like, even in calm weather. But, like, fucking Blackbeard ends up fucking off with his homie. Breaks Steed's heart for a little bit. Well, Blackbeard starts to revert a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, and it's like... I had a friend who was starting to see this guy, and then she hung out with him and some of his college friends, and she was like, God, I don't know, like, is this who he really is? He was kind of bro-ish, and I was like, well, is he always like that, or is he like that when he sees his college friends? In the same way that, like... When I see some college buddies, there's some old habits that we have together that kick back up. That is Mm -hmm. not necessarily so Blackbeard's going back to his party days and him being this is who I am. It's not, man. This is everything that you're trying not to be anymore. This is your Jack Sparrow phase. Mm -hmm. Whippies. Oh, whippies stresses me out. The fucking game where they're just throwing coconuts at each other's heads. (laughs) And it super ties into, like, dumb friends that I... I had friends that played a game called Stretch that stressed me out, where they just had a knife, and you would chuck the knife near the other person's foot, and then you would stretch out your foot to that foot, or that spot, and then you would throw the knife, and it's just making people go more and more into the splits until someone falls over, but I had to be like... You are not allowed to play this. We are in a public park. 
and you're throwing knives at each other. You have to stop. And that's very much what Calico Jack's entire fucking thing was. You had mentioned this last week. It's definitely heavily implied here that he used to have a relationship with Blackie mm-hmm. as he knew him. Yeah. Heavily. I mean, Calico Jack pretty much straight out says it, but we don't know how much we can take him at his word. But there's this, no reason why not either mm-hmm. from what we've seen. So this is one of those things because I can't resist insulting Calico Jack. I feel like Edward Teach, real life Edward Teach, would have stabbed him in the head almost immediately. <laughs> they might have actually met most of these cap, like most of these famous pirate captains knew each other on some level. You end up like that whole Izzy subplot's been brewing in the background. And by the end of the episode, you find out that Calco Jack was sent because he's part of setting up that ambush mm-hmm. for badminton to show up. And, but God, the way he finally gets it was so satisfying. Getting just fucking distracted by the bird and then <laughs> blown off of his fucking dinghy by a cannonball. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> by Olivia. Oh, poor Olivia. Oh, that was right. my favorite part of the episode is when <laughs> Olivia lands next to fucking Buttons and they actually give her subtitles and you realize that Buttons was speaking with seagulls this entire time and yes, understanding but I do them. love it that it could be taken either way very easily. Like, is Buttons... Or is that just, like, the Buttons view of the world? Well, then Olivia does go fuck with CJ. Yeah, but it's kind of like in The Suicide Squad, where we see the Harley Quinn vision, and it's, instead of, like, blood, it's Mm -hmm. flowers, and there's (laughs) fucking little birds and shit. Um, Maybe one of the best uses of uh, the chain ever in a TV show. Which bit is this? The the song, uh, the Fleetwood Mac that's rolling at the end and they mm-hmm. they they match up the fucking the British drummer with the actual drum beat as they're coming in for the fucking the raid on the ship. Very music is always well treated in Taika shows, I feel like. That was that made me so happy. I mean, I know he didn't direct this one, but he just Right, there's um I don't know like the f- past his so he directed the first one. The next 3 after that are all done by Nacho Vigalondo, which was blew me out of the fucking water because we've talked about him on fried squirms. I was going to say, I recognize the name through you. And like, when I saw that name come up, I was like, fucking Nacho did this. That's amazing. <laughs> um, actually the flick of his we covered wasn't very horror-y. Mm-hmm. It starts out more horror than it ends up being. Once you understand what's going on, it's hard to explain. Okay. Very good time travel movie. Just say what the movie is. It's called Time Crimes. Oh, oh, I've heard of it at least. Yeah. Um, It was a recommendation from Steven. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, He was on the episode. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I almost asked him to be on this episode, but we would have had another straight dude trying to talk about the queer pirate comedy. Also, he hasn't seen it yet. But yeah, all that, that, that comes to a head at the end and everybody gets captured by the British. Another thing that on any other show, there's so many things on this show that in any other show would have been like the season one finale. Yeah. Cause that then goes in episode nine where they're about to be killed. Like a lot happens in this episode. I took two notes for the entire episode and that's act of grace. And then fucking they kiss. Yes. This episode sets up a lot of things that need to happen. And we find the kind of interesting things of where Steed 
and Blackbeard are different. Steed and Ed are different because Steed still wants to be a pirate. Ed doesn't anymore. He just wants to be with Steed. Mm-hmm. Um, and experience new things with him. How fucking angry uh, uh, Admiral Badminton is is very good. Honestly, yeah, the only thing I have to talk about is the scene on the beach where they talk about what makes them happy and, you know, they fucking kiss and every gay person that's used to queer baiting in shows just punch to the air. <laughs> Uh, and great acting from Reese Darby of just, you make Steed happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the episode nine is mostly just rather sweet most of the way through because you get a lot of those two interacting and talking about what their future could be. And then fucking tragic. Yeah, also, like, managing to give the right hue of uh, sunrise so that Taika is rowing away in bisexual lighting. <laughs> <laughs> He is supposed to meet up with Blackbeard and they're going to run away together. But he gets kidnapped by Admiral, what's Batman. his name, who is now out of good any good graces by the way that this whole thing went down. Mm-hmm. Badminton dies in the process. And Steed is fucking traumatized by it all over again. Uh-huh. And so he decides, and both of them decide in their own ways to retreat to who they used to be because they were both hurt by these situations. Mm-hmm. Steed goes home, quote unquote home. And Blackbeard goes back to going to be a pirate, but he's not yet to angry pirate. He's just mm-hmm. guessing going back to be a pirate. And then wherever you go, there you are. Mary is the star of this episode. The widow bonnet, the widow bonnet. I think I'm going to just keep that. That's our mystery. <laughs> And, like, I kind of feel bad for Steed, but also, like, get fucked, man. All of these people were dealing with the fact that you fucking ran off on mm-hmm. them. You can't just expect things to go back. To go back. And, like, she even tried to, like, find some balance there of, okay, you're, you're back. back. We're going to be married. We made these vows. I can't change that, but I'm going to go fuck Doug. <laughs> Because Doug, Doug's the best. <laughs> um, I would have liked a little more between these next two episodes. Oh, no, that's the last. This oh, that's the last. last episode. Episode. Oh, OK. Sorry. These this episode, a little more development with Steed and the kids, because yeah. we see them be like, you're fucking I guess you're my dad again. I don't know how to deal with this. And then he gets that when touching the, moment with his daughter for and a it split came second. Out of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. And we had seen that he had been very close with his kids, like the the pirate games that they played together. He was a decent dad. And I I don't know there's nothing we could have cut, I think, for more space with the kids. Right. It just seems like a weird afterthought when it really shouldn't be. Yes, exactly. We see her increasingly unwilling to deal with Steed. But then he pulls such a good fuckery to get everybody out of it. And actually, my favorite moment of this is after she tries to kill him. Mm -hmm. And they have a real conversation and they realize that they like one another. That like, they don't want to be married. They're not in love. They've never been in love, but they care for each other. Very much so. They really like one another. They love each other. They're not in 
love mm-hmm. with each other. And that's such a important thing in life. And that's so good to see. And then her just like that really like, yeah, Doug's the best. And them t- and him realizing how deeply in love with Ed he is. And the, the mo- he basically comes out to his wife in this. And what I love is there's no moment where there's like, oh my God, you're gay. She's just like, Fucking great. You found someone you're in love with. I'm super happy for you, man. Now I can go back to fucking Doug. I'm going to go Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go Doug, Doug. Um, and we see how much he really had. He never fit into this world in the first place, but how much he really has changed. And the best bit of it is someone like catches him by surprise and he fucking mm-hmm. almost knifes him. And you're like, whoa, Steed. <laughs> Ed goes through like three episodes in this episode. Uh huh. That's why I thought this was two episodes. So much happens. Because Ed goes from blubbering, lovesick, impossible to be around. I hate friends who are not, I hate friends, but I hate friends who are in this situation because you feel for them, but also they're the worst they're at the that worst. point. <laughs> and man, there's a lot of reasons I hope I never get divorced. Mostly, I am desperately in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. But I am also aware that when I hit this stage, I hit it hard, and I have traditionally made it everybody's problem. <laughs> it is not a part of myself that I am proud of, but it is something that I have done. And I found this so fucking relatable. Yeah. But then he he, like, he goes all the way back around to, like, way too far. Yeah, he's at least, like, he's gonna, he's still hurt, he's still feeling his feelings, but by the end, he's like, oh, well, then I have to try to reclaim being blacky if this isn't gonna be my life. Yeah, I'm... But I, oh my god. I'm going to be who I was before I was hurt, which is horseshit. It's not how life works. It's so clever how the show uses his heartbreak to create Blackbeard's flag. The the broken heart flag, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I like how he's trying so hard to be, like, threatening Blackbeard and putting on the makeup and stuff. <laughs> and so showing dumb. how fucking pathetic it all really is. It looks is. so fucking dumb. When he fucking re-blacks his beard, I'm like, oh god. Oh, buddy, just, just own it. Uh, Jim and Olu get together. <laughs> okay, so. With, with him going kind of back to being bad at the end. Uh Uh-huh. He fucking kidnaps Jim. Kidnaps Jim. But I don't think the show will actually kill off the character. How do you think Lucius survives as we hopefully go into season two? Remind me where Lucius ends up, because everyone else is fucking... Well, because Blackbeard... Blackbeard goes up onto the prow, and he's thinking about his times with... With, with uh, uh, Steed. Steed, and like he, the the handkerchief from the you wear fine things well. He like looks at it for a second and then lets it get carried off overboard by the wind, which bothered me almost as much as seeing books thrown in the water. That makes me physically cringe. And then Lucius comes out to ask him about the talent show that they were setting up, mm-hmm. and. He, he just pushes him overboard. That's right. He just pushes him. I wanted to say he got stabbed or something. And you hear him for a second, like, thrashing in the water and like, help me, help me. And then it sort of... Mm-hmm. I mean, he's close enough to the shore because they haven't fully left the island yet where everyone else was marooned. Mm-hmm. So I guess there could be something along... 
I just want to know how everyone's going to fit on that fucking dinghy. I, okay. So for the Lucius bit, uh-huh. I think that they're all, at this point, not doing enough of their duties, that no one pulled the the plank that was let down so that Lucius was supposed to scrape the barnacles off the side of the ship so with. So he just climbs so on. I think he climbed on that. Oh, that'd but, be good. I'd like that. But beyond that, like... We know we've talked about the hidden wardrobe, but in that scene, Steed says that he has multiple hidden passageways through his ship. Just for an air of adventure or something like that. So, yeah. So, Lucius could fucking is probably the, the one that knows where they're all at. Oh, he'd have to. Oh, that's good. I like that. And I think so, Lucius is going to end up helping, like, Jim retake the ship or like throw a mutiny. I do like that even Blackbeard's men, like no one is happy about what's happening except for Izzy. Yeah. Cause no one wants Blackbeard in his like sad, pathetic stage, but even his men preferred hang out and Lucius draws your dick in extreme detail stage of life. Well, yeah, I mean, cause Fang's the one to knock Jim out. But if you watch Fang in that scene, I don't think he had to be draining that fucking bottle of rum to knock Jim out with it. <laughs> I think that was all because he's like, I can't fucking believe this bullshit's happening again. <laughs> I'm and getting drunk. <laughs> where they're throwing the books away and they mm-hmm. all look sad. And when he's when Izzy's like Blackbeard's back. Fang doesn't look happy there. He's just mm-hmm. kind of like, fuck, I guess I'm going to throw these books away. I am focused on that. I apologize. I, <laughs> we have discussed my love of books. I have very visceral reactions to seeing them destroyed. But, you know, yeah, Steed shows up to everybody that was... <laughs> and, oh, loser response, just, fuck me. And I love that there's, like, ten different things that could mean of, like, I can't believe this. To, like, oh, God, we have to deal with this guy again. To, like... Is he really the one saving us? <laughs> like, there's so many different levels of emotion because he ditched them too. Mm-hmm. They might not have the best feelings for him, but also they're saving him. And that crew went nuts. Without him, that crew went nuts and ready to eat each other on that island immediately. Yeah. There's no way they were hungry yet. <laughs> no, they just couldn't <laughs> handle it. That's the end of the season. Fucking, yeah. I um, hope it gets renewed. I mean, it looks like it's probably going to. It's just, it's in this day and age, it's weird that it hasn't been made official quite yet. Yes. I mean, Peacemaker was announced the day the final episode came out. And even then, it was mostly like dealing with some contract stuff. I bet the hardest part is finding the fucking time. With Because Tyka's super busy. And Thor Love and Thunder is out in a couple months. And then I'm pretty sure he's supposed to start working on Star Wars then. So it's a matter of, like, mm-hmm. fitting this in. And I desperately need him to make those Star Wars movies. So I need him to keep doing that. But I also need him to keep making this. Because mm-hmm. my I... feel-good shows right now are this and Ted Lasso. I fucking dug it. Yeah. Honestly, my recommendation, if you got to this and haven't watched this, go fucking watch this show. Go talk about liking this show. Make this fucking show. And then my other one is Muppet Treasure Island. Okay. I don't even have anything to say about it. It's just my favorite pirate movie. My recommendation, um, show that got canceled too early. It's only, there's only like 23 episodes, it's two seasons, and then it got canceled, never got fully wrapped up. That was a Nat Faxon comedy that was on FX with Judy Greer called Married. No, oh, I've heard of it. I will say, um, if you only ever watch one or two episodes of the show, 
it's going to appear like it's a show about a married couple that hate each other. If you watch the series, you realize it's a show about a married couple who live a very realistic and like relatable life. And it's showing why even when life is tough, they're still together. I get that. That's, that's not the one with Martin Freeman. Is it? No, no. Okay. That's something else that looked similar. It's uh, Nat Faxon, Judy Greer, uh, Brett Gelman, and Jenny Slate. Oh, cool. And it's kind of like you have them as this married couple who don't always like each other, but always love each other. Welcome to being married. Um, And then it's sort of contrasting them against their two friends, uh, Brett Gelman, who is a super bitter recent divorcee, Mm -hmm. and Jenny Slate, who is their mess of a friend who is trying desperately to get her life together and simply can't. I've never been a divorcee, but as someone who got out of a long-term relationship and was super bitter for a while, I've been every one of those things. Mm -hmm. And I desperately love my wife, and I desperately like my wife, but like, you know... Anytime you deal with a person, constantly, there's that really... I'm going to stop talking. I feel like I'm putting my foot deeper in my mouth the more I explain this. But it's weird, because it's like, if you only ever watch one episode of a show, you are you would think it's a show about a married couple. That You'd be like, it's fucking married with children, but instead, it's... But yeah. when it goes on, it's just a more nuanced look at it all. And this show is just called Married? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I got. Cool. Uh, next time, we're pretty much going back to what might, what we might have been talking about since like the very first fucking episode. Within our first five episodes, we started talking about this movie. And we're finally to a spot where we'll get to watch it. It's time to go see Our Pats Be Our Bats. I mean, I've seen it, but it's time for you to oh, see it. Oh, I didn't know. I th- I didn't we talked about it last time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it, but no, I'm going to see it again. Memory is goldfish. Yeah. It's time for me to see Our Pats Be Our Bats. Uh, it's time for the Batman. The Batman. The Batman. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.